Some boys take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world. I want to be the one to walk in the sun. And girls, they want to have fun. Oh, girls just want to have. That's all they really want. Some fun when the working day is done. Oh, girls, they want to have fun. Oh, girls just want to have fun. Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Sisters. This is brilliant. My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss sisters, I have brought along Christian Mostlinski. Usually Morosky, some, sometimes Morosky. <laughs> with our sisters tagline. And Anomalisa apologist. Anomalisa apologist Kelly Wand. Uh, there's two. Two taglines. Okay, good. Because there's, oh, no, there's two sisters. <laughs> okay, sisters, there's two. <laughs> what do you got for us? Uh, there's two is uh, is at one of the taglines. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I bumped it up front. That's how much I like that one. It can't okay, get good. any closer. I just pictured that on the poster. Right. Uh, it's like watching a movie about a party. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Kelly, it's one like- Oh, oh, there's more. Oh, I see. I, I, I prematurely thought there were two. Okay, what's the third one? Yeah, because you didn't like my Revenant ones. So you thought, no, I guess Kelly can't do these anymore. Uh, I didn't like your Revenant ones. I, I beg to differ. Oh. I accept your beg and refuse your uh, call. What was it? What's the thing where I accepted your dare or accepted your... I accept your bluff? Or no? I accept your bluff. Yeah. That was so great to remember that all of a sudden. It's like the Zac Efron neighbors, except that the title's the same and the baby's older. <laughs> I'm having to think about that one. Cause it... I know. It's all, yeah, that's what ruins yeah. it. Yeah. So much thought needed. Uh, my safe word is Julianne Moore. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really, but I, I get the I get the reference to sisters. I don't understand why Julianne Moore. Ah, no, I do get a little Todd Hayes reference. Very good. Very topical. See? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah, he did Carol this year, so he, he's 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 uh, it's it's relevant, it's trenchant. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Did you okay. get that one, Angus, or was that one just me? It's just you. Was he was she a DJ in the movie? She was in a movie called Safe that Todd Haynes directed about a woman who had like environmental allergies. Who turned yeah, yeah. she's allergic to the 20th century James and the 21st century. Well, I thought you said because of Carol, we were talking about the DJs in this movie. No, uh, so Todd Haynes did. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did Safe. He did Far from Heaven. He did Carol this year. Um, this movie's with one world titles. So uh, yeah, so my safe word is Julianne Moore. Is uh, that was actually very good, Kelly Wand. See, I got Tom's approval. Well, what does it have to do with this issue? movie? What does this have? Okay. The great John Senya, Sena line, my safe word is keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah okay. Pazuzu, which was also. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, Instant but, laugh. Yeah, let's, let's hold that thought. First, yeah, yeah. speaking of parties, Kelly Wand, let's have a party where me and Dingus have a contest against each other in which you read a movie synopsis and whichever one of us can guess it first wins the party slash game. All right, it's in keeping with the sibling theme. Ah, 
Yes. Is the movie Sisters? No. Is the movie Sisters, the other sisters that Brian De Palma directed? No. Okay. Is that Kirshner movie that has a title like that? Like, uh, Return of the Jedi. Sister Act. Okay, since this one's too hard to guess, I'm going to say go when it's time to guess. Oh, so, okay, so we're like, oh, running, right. we're waiting for the starter pistol. Okay, fair enough. Batman and Robin are back, working side by side to stop the villains of Gotham City. But is there tension appearing between them, especially when one villainess who calls herself Poison Ivy can make anyone fall in love with her? Literally. Along with Poison Ivy, the icy Mr. Freeze is freezing anything, which gets in his way from achieving his goal. Go. Batman forever. <laughs> ah, you both stupid. Wait, <laughs> Batman Return. Wait, what is it? It's not Batman Forever. I just force. How many four-set stamps are in a dozen? Do you? What? Yeah, it, you're still befuddling us. I don't. It's not Batman Forever. Batman Forever is the third one with Kilmer. Yeah, not Batman and Robin. This is the Clooney. Uh, oh, Dingus! Dingus wins a Batman. Yes. Joel Schumacher question. Ah, uh, Dingus, you win the one where Batman has nipples. And it was the first three words of what I read. So it tricked you into not hearing them, like the oh. mail, the envelope in The Invisible Man, the Chesterton or Ralph Ellison Invisible Man. What's the, mystery about, <laughs> what's the mystery about how many four-cent stamps does 12 cents buy? Because that seems pretty easy. That was like, a, it's supposed to be a, how many four-cent stamps are in a dozen? And you're supposed to think, oh, three, because four into 12. But it's like a dozen's always 12. Really? Somebody falls for it? That works. I know. Yeah, and that was the title of the book of them. Like, someone gave it to me when I was a kid, and that was, like, the title of it. And I'm like, 12? And then it's like, ah, you said three. And I'm like, really? There's a whole book of that? <laughs> All right, let's see if you can get me once. Nope, nope, nope. Did you know if you cross the... You know what to me is the dumbest of those is the one where it's like if you go half as far, if you're trying to go 10 feet and you go half as far as that, you'll never move. Kelly Wand, if you're in a race and you're in fourth place and you pass yeah. the guy who's in third place, what place are you in? Second place. <laughs> awesome. I got you. No, you're in third place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's way better than fucking four cents stamps. Because I can picture the turtle. All right, uh, now that I have won, you, so Dingus, you won the synopsis. I won the Trick Kelly Wand contest. Oh, damn, i I got to get in on that. Well, it's tough. You can try next week. It's it is tough a, even yeah, just to qualify. Uh, Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we saw this week? Don't spoil anything, because if you're not, familiar with, this, yeah, if you're not familiar with this podcast, we're going to have a lot of spoilers, but first we're going to give you some basic information about the movie, so maybe you can decide whether or not you want to see it based on that. Then we're going to warn you before there are any spoilers. This is the spoiler-free portion of the podcast. So, Dingus, don't ruin it for anyone. Give us the basics. All right. Well, this week we saw Sisters, mm. a 2015 American comedy movie about the state of the Orlando real estate market. It was directed by Jason Moore and written by Paula Pell. It stars Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Ike Barinholtz, and Maya Rudolph, and most of the casts of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Sisters is rated R mm. for crude sexual content and language throughout and drug use. 
soft. Kelly Wan, did they miss anything? Is there something else that parents should know if they're considering taking their children to see sisters? Gardening incorrectly. (laughs) Middle-aged people. And some third act. Wow, that's generous. Uh, thing is, is 99 Homes set in Orlando? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere in Florida. Because I was wondering if that would apply also to 99 To so the real estate market, yeah. Which we saw, yeah, because it's also about real estate. You watched uh, a real estate documentary? It's a movie by a fellow named Ramin... Uh, uh, Ram- I've heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an awesome Michael Shannon performance. Yeah, it really does. Wait, I thought it was a documentary. And Andrew Garfield's no. not bad. I would not watch a documentary. I only watch movies, Kelly Wand. Dude, they made a murder. There's also a David Simon thing on, on uh, HBO that I've heard good things uh, about. It's about housing in, I don't know, Detroit or something called – it's called something like an American hero or something like that. It have to be Baltimore if it's David Simon. You would think. Maybe it is. But it's about housing. It's literally about housing and, and nothing – could make me less want to watch a TV series, even though it's on HBO. Someone who we like is in it. I forget whom. Um, but I'll watch that by David Simon. I, I love David Simon. Yeah. And, well, housing is a hot topic these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah nowadays. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, Sisters um, opened against Star Wars. <laughs> so it only came in at number <coughs> at number three. Because it was beaten by on, on its opening weekend, it was beaten by Star Wars and Alvin and the Chipmunks. Didn't you originally claim that Sisters was number one that week? I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, yeah. never mind. I feel bad for the kids who had to see Alvin and the Chipmunks that weekend. Like, no, Star Wars sold out. <laughs> we got another game buddy, for you. You can talk to your friends about on Monday while they tell you all the spoilers. Ouch. Well, uh, wait, what? No seats. Uh, Sisters made $14 million. Actually, it made $13.9 million, whereas Alvin and the Chipmunks made $14.2 million. So it was barely beaten by Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, on Metacritic, it's at 58. That's the average rating from various reviews. The percentage of reviews, according to Rotten Tomatoes, that are positive, 60%. Ooh. Kelly Wand and listeners, let's have some spoilers by having you concoct for us, Kelly Wand, a Sistropsis. Ah, so close. What was it really? What's it actually Just called? Just took the E out. Sistropsis. Hey, Dingus, is it fun to you to guess what this would be called, or is it boring to even listen to it? I, I love hearing you two do it. You don't want to guess, though? Why don't you do it with Dingus? Because I don't like doing it. Do it with Dingus. From- no, I like because I'm fascinated uh, that Nick can do it. Uh, and I always go, he's not trying because he's think, really good at games. You think so Dingus can do it, though? You think I can't do it, but Dingus could do it? Dingus yeah, can't do it either. Got, it's your windmills gland or something, I think. It's more fun to hear the two of you mess around with it and then me chirp in every now and then. Uh, it's like Bruce talking about it, debating it. Yeah. By the way, the uh, the friend I saw Star Wars with, who was really into it, and like looked at me like during it, like, "How could you not like this, you idiot? Like, this right. is the best thing ever made." Right. Um, he has like a, all I, of your friends, by the way. Most yeah. of them. Uh, nah, it's more of detractors than you think. It's not a ninety-six-four. Those numbers are. That's the lamestream media trying to get back at us. <laughs> all right, Ted Cruz. Um. <laughs> Uh oh, 
but he has a five-year-old son who looks just like Jake Lloyd, and you go, oh, that kid's probably in hog heaven. His dad's into Star Wars. And, like, the kid hates Star Wars because he doesn't like the orchestral music. And if Beethoven comes on, he goes, eh, Star Wars music. Ugh. How does Beethoven come into Star yeah, what, Wars? What, it's classical. Happen? Like, he made him, he hates classical music. So, so any, any music Wars... played by an orchestra is classical, according yeah, to Yeah, and it ruins lasers for him. <laughs> How picky is that? All right. <laughs> seem like... Wow, five-year-olds are a tough room now. <laughs> All right, well, Kelly Wand, uh, quit banging your mic and give us the synopsis for <laughs> right. Sisters. I was getting bored by my story. Sistopsis. <laughs> Leslie Nope tries to sell a construction worker some bug spray. <laughs> On Skype, her parents trick her into starting the movie by blinking. <laughs> Some theme music and a photograph tell us Tina Fey's going to be the handful of the family. I wish. Tina Fey's there, Ricky and the Flash. Ooh, very nice. Remember? Yeah, Ricky and the Fingernails. Yep. Same crazy family. She got fired, and judging from her daughter's reaction in the same day, got a new job putting tar on that SNL guy's face in her apartment. <laughs> her daughter comes home to tell her to be responsible. Her roommate's Melissa McCarthy, and they fight over a wig incident. Some music plays to explain their life's always like this. Amy Poehler's job is to give old men at hospitals hand jobs. <laughs> I lean over to the man on a date beside me and shout, wouldn't mind being that hospital. I'm fun. Tina Fey wears a hat at a bus station. They talk about cheese in a car and join in the music playing on the radio. Tina Fey talks by a car with the happenings John Leguizamo. <laughs> Kelly, what's beautiful is so far nothing is invented, by the way. This is yep. one of those synopses where you're just recounting things in the script. This is number three movie, right behind Star Wars. Open to get Star Wars. These events. They were like, Star Wars? Fuck that shit. Tina Fey talks by a car with the happenings John Leguizamo, parentheses, same character, until Amy Poehler. Some music plays. They're in Florida. General Leah, Leah ends over to me and croaks, In episode six, my character's most exciting moment is finding out she's another character's sister. Which almost gets Luke killed during everyone's least favorite lightsaber duel. Jesus. The Ewoks also braid my hair. So take that Bechdel test. <laughs> Scribbling furiously, I'm all, please keep saying stuff. <laughs> Leah's all, well, Kelly, you see, every lightsaber duel ends conclusively in a different way. But J.J. Abrams was the first to introduce a suddenly appearing chasm in the middle of it. 
That was innovation. <laughs> what is happening right now? See, Dingus, Damon Lindelof did do a little ghost right. <laughs> Damon Lindelof was like the ghost of Obi-Wan, watching and smiling over us, 24 and episode sub. <laughs> Can't wait for the Leia filing duel. Princess Leia on the with today Star Wars Open was watching Sisters. With I think she has a lot of character, way more yeah. than I saw in her movie. She has a lot of something. Speaking of the happening, Mark Wahlberg's character. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to say I had that. I had Johnny Wahlberg. Well, I had, oh, I, I had Mark. I leaned over to the Hunky. person next to me and said, he's going to say Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Who's he, Kelly? Or Tom? Or no, Wahlberg? Me, you, because you're the one <laughs> doing the Sistolopolis, whatever this is. Mark Wahlberg's character and sisters, as a construction worker in Florida, I think plays would have been a better word there, but anyway, who lives in a garden. Amy Poehler raps till Tina Fey shows her bra. Screen time-wise, I wish they'd swap these two incidents. <laughs> but still, take those construction workers. Disease of construction. The two main characters' house exists. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called Sisters. House. They cry because their parents are throwing away their old cardboard boxes. They go to a couch room with the parents in it. The dad's got a mustache today. They say something about pictures of Ant-Man for an inspection on Monday at Arby's. The conversation winds down. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler decide to move in with the cardboard boxes. They go into a bedroom and sword swallow batons till music plays. (laughs) (sighs) So much movie. Like most identical twin sisters, they kept their diaries in the same purse when they were kids. <laughs> Tina Fey's diaries about dicks wearing hats, like she did in the bus scene. Amy Poehler's is about nothing, so they decide to have a party. They squirt Sprite on the floor to cinch the deal. <laughs> While music plays. A quarter gay couple comes by, but Tina Fey gets rid of them by saying murder. They find people on Facebook and invite them over. A woman with a shopping cart gets mad at them for not getting invited. They're shopping. It's just Rose Byrne. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, and the Rose Byrne character. Rose Byrne played, you know. Yeah, yeah. They go to a massage parlor to go sit in some chairs. I look at my watch and start to open my mouth, but the usher sitting by me cuts me off and goes, Yeah, too early for happy endings. I have to hear that ever screening. My life's a living hell. As if on cue, Amy Poehler looks down at the young girly shaving her toenails and goes, Hey, what's your name? White man! Oh, God. Really? <laughs> what? Way moan? No. White Man! Obscure internet meme popularized by actual obscure white man. Uh. Right, white man! Good job! I didn't say white man. No, now you do it wrong again! 
White man invites her to party with Jews. Tina Fey gets a job at the massage parlor by promising not to text her boobs a picture of the manager. They go to a mirror store and wear clothes and make fun of how the clothes are the wrong size. But the one woman who works at the store doesn't find them very interesting. The daughter calls Tina to straight man for a bit. They go back to the garbage man's house so Amy Poehler can live out her childhood dream of fucking. She <laughs> <just so fast. laughs> It's a movie with index cards, all right? There's an app called The Kelly. You can do it. It's called Save the Cat. Get up. Totally. Uh, Amy Poehler throws herself at him, but he's got mashed potatoes, so she invites him over. IMDb's affected me like my whole... Never mind. Tina Fey tries to help out by driving off a bunch of times. Walt's charmed by both of them, but fortunately only interested in the one who's hitting on him sexually. The quarter gay couple shows up again. This time they get rid of them by saying railroad. The second they toss a garden hose into the pool, people start showing up for the party. <laughs> the first is a family, but only the kids invited, so they leave. <laughs> Then a fat man comes and does impressions of himself. Then ends with the Logan's run joke by going, Sanctuary Master. I squeeze in between the man sitting next to me and his date and go, This part really takes me back. A party happens. The fat man does too much cheese gun. Amy Poehler and rubber-faced Wahlberg smoke in the attic and play a game called Say Words. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the roof cave in <laughs> I mean the ceiling <laughs> who caves the pool water turns comically blue the daughter trips it turns out the fat guy they didn't like wants to live there and can afford it and was married all along to white man his cheese gun issues wear off naturally. The parents leave their hotel and look concerned. Music plays while the characters pretend they're architects. <laughs> when they're done, they show the dad a different house. He nods in surprise and goes, Seems a little weird I wouldn't have checked on the house all this time. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey make up their severe differences. The daughter climbs out of the sinkhole and smiles while music plays. Everyone hugs the house. There's some Easter eggs of actors zoning out at work. <laughs> <laughs> we all enjoy those. So relatable. The end. That's it. Very good, Kelly Wong. Thank you so much. Stopped us. <clears throat> Who knew? Now, why did we see this? Um, Because I couldn't see It's fucking Germany, really. Here's the thing. that I wanted to see it. They're both good. I mean, there's some funny lines. It's just a really boring premise. I didn't believe in these characters. I didn't give a shit about them. I think the overnight is the dark night of grown-ups partying, the movie genre. And wow, that's how I watch this. It's for me. Yeah. This, this is the Batman and Robin. Yeah. Right. See? Ugh. And Redemption's so boring, and the whole movie's Redemption. Well, this had, you know, it's the difference between Patrick Bryce and basically the, a writer from Saturday Night Live, the 
What was her name? Dingus Paula Pell. Yeah. Yeah, she's a Saturday Night Live alumni, alumnus. Meh. Uh, what? Why? She's not? She is. No, I'm just saying, if this is she's your... A, she's also an actress, but yeah. But this is what you get when you when you give Patrick Bryce four talented actors and you know hey do whatever you want with your script you get the overnight. When you have someone from Saturday Night Live, you throw money at, at her him yeah. and you give them the two famous people who are doing it as a vanity project and they're also producers. You just get papped like this. Like there's no creative vision behind. It's so this. boring. Yeah. Fuck. They didn't care. Sh- they didn't give a shit about their own characters. Yeah. Dingus Gate, before Kelly Wand and I just sit here and talk about how we didn't like it, what was your overall takeaway? Uh, boy, I, I disagree with that, that they didn't care about their own characters, because I think about the that the that the creative core of this movie is really strong uh, as far as the, the chemistry between Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, which we've seen before. Um, but I've never seen it quite like this, and I thought the first, I don't know, one-third or so of this movie was really strong i loved the way their way their chemistry worked i loved the the image of these two sisters and the way they work together i loved the character that tina fey was playing i mean i've seen amy poehler play this character on parks and rec i mean basically this i'm the i'm the organized one i'm i'm the one who's doing everything right for the most part that kind of character but i don't know i've seen tina fey do this before um and i loved the way that they played off of each other their chemistry was wonderful and anytime when the two of them were the center of the action i mean i was really i loved that first part of this movie i was i was laughing my ass off i mean i loved that whole opening section and then we just get into this draggy stupid party where everybody from saturday night live has to show up and make some sort of stupid appearance and it just goes on and on and on and on and on and does everything predictable that you can imagine in a movie it just totally goes into neighbor's territory and it's just terrible and that point about you know patrick bryce and the overnight is is well made because it it's contained it's just those four people and a couple of kids running around uh, and I think keeping the character comedy contained is important. Well, this movie also, is about 45 minutes too long. I, I don't think the pattern for this is at all overnight. The pattern is basically 21 and over, like those kind of movies. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. You know, oh. let's, have, let's have this crazy picaresque journey with the two main characters and a bunch of other wacky ancillary characters around them. Uh, I, I don't think it's ever supposed to be self-contained. I really do think Paula Pell or whoever saw uh, 21 and over. And what's, what's the antecedent to that? I know there's some movie that basically it's where you have kids and there's a big college party and they're navigating this party in the court. Oh, Project X, isn't there one like that? Uh, yeah. Um, and they, they navigate the wackiness of this party all in one night. Uh, and let's do that for people who are in their 40s. Um, I mean, I think this that's was what the, going for. Right, like but neighbors? you see the party coming from a mile away. I mean, uh, my girlfriend said, okay, there's going to be a party and they're going to destroy the house and that's it. And then the party goes on forever. I mean, you see that happening. Right. And and unfortunately, the party divides the two characters who are the most interesting yeah. when they're together, and they're divided. I couldn't care less whether Maura gets with James. Who the fuck cares? The most Why interesting relationship is her and is is her with her sister. And this is like the least interesting party of like neighbors. I remember a lot of weird shit happening at it, and people got in fights and broke their legs and stuff. And this party is just kind of people not doing anything. Well, it's not even that, Kelly Wand. It's 
it's so manufactured. I mean, they magically yeah. go from, hey, here's responsible people who don't want to just get trashed one night. And suddenly there's a million of them. Right, and then suddenly they do want to get trashed because yeah. Tina Fey gave a speech, and now it's crazy, right. and, and we're going to trash the place and do shots and hold ourselves upside down and drink out of the keg and buy drugs from John Senya. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And it just it makes no sense. It's so manufactured. It totally um, undercuts the premise, which is it's about sisters. Now it's about a whole group of people who right, killed right. this boy. And right. I, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm not with you there on Dingus uh, Dingus on their chemistry because I didn't care for. I, I mean I, I I love Amy Poehler doing Leslie Nope on Parks and Rec, but it didn't work for me here. And I have never gotten Tina Fey's appeal. Um, she's fine, but as far as their chemistry. They just—they seem like actresses who like and who are comfortable with each other, but I didn't get this sense that yeah, they're sisters and here are these lifelong problems they're dealing with, and it, it really did seem to me like, hey, here's two rich actresses who want to get together and make a movie, the same way that like someone uh, like that Adam Sandler might want to make a movie in Africa or on a cruise ship. <laughs> He's just like, hey, I just want to be at this place to do this project and I don't give I don't care about the project. I kind of got that sense from the two of them. It's just like but they're hey, funny. They're, no no, they're, they're they're both very talented. And when I say I don't get Tina Fey, I don't mean she's not talented. Uh, it's just I don't really understand her appeal. I didn't think she was that funny here. I didn't um, think she was the character she was. But, yeah, exactly. I just got the sense that here are two actresses that wanted to spend time with each other and so they throw some money at a movie and they hire their buddies to do it and it happens. Um so their chemistry just felt like two actresses who were into hanging out with each other, but I didn't get this sense of like real siblings. Um, all everything just felt so manufactured to me, and I certainly all of that goofiness with Diane Weist and, and James Brolin playing the parents, all of that like felt manufactured and didn't work for me. Oh, that's um, just terrible! I agree. It's horrible. It's embarrassing for the two of them because they're better than that too. Uh, so does feel real at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I so can uh, except Pazuzu. I kind of like him. Well, I John Senya ever since Trainwreck. I I I don't know that guy's wrestling career, but he could be the new Dwayne Johnson. I'm just yeah, I agree with he you. Won't, he can't. <laughs> he's be. got great delivery. <laughs> no, he's not. Why, why are you saying that, Dingus? Why do you not like? Uh, or, yeah, he, I, I don't see that at all. Dwayne Johnson's got so much. No, no, no. I'd be facetious about that, but I think he's really funny, and I think he's got great delivery. He's got good. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, okay, he's, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm talking about it's like a, to laugh. I'm talking about a, a wrestler who ends up also being a good actor at what he's being cast. Yeah, I've just seen him funny in two movies back to back where I, he almost stole the movie, not stole. Because hasn't right. hasn't he done a bunch of just like crappy action films before? Yeah, he did something called yeah, Marine or something like that. Oh, right, right, Dingus. Yeah, yeah. But I don't see him carrying real major movies the way Dwayne Johnson can. Right, right. So I wouldn't see that, but he's he's fine, and I mean, I think he's sturdy. I think he's funny. I think he's he knows how to do as little as possible to be as funny as possible. That's fine. I didn't I didn't think the problem for him for me was I, I didn't find anything that Tina Fey and it was standing next to him was doing for me because I just wanted her to be with Amy Poehler because I totally disagree with you. I think when the two of them are together. The movie works, and when they're not together, it doesn't. What else have they done together? I have no idea. Baby Mama. Oh, I know that. Did they, no, that wasn't the two of them, was it? Baby Mama. It was one of them. No, they're both in that. I know they did the no, Academy. They did the Academy Awards. I mean, I didn't see that, but I know they they did an award show together. Um, no, I think the movie totally works when they're together, and it and it totally falls apart when they're not. And unfortunately, there's this huge. 
I mean, I know, 45 fucking minutes of party where they're not together, and I'm just like, how much more dicks are we going to draw on the wall? I mean, honestly, how much more of this... There's just uh, one dick on a wall, Dingus. Of of what's-his-name snorting stevia and running around the room and making funny faces are we going to have to watch? I think the joke was he was actually into cocaine. Like, wasn't that the joke? Yeah, yeah, that's the joke. I mean, but... But it's rap poison. But the the joke is going on and on and on and on and on, and then you know it's going to be called back at the end. I mean, honestly, I mean... Jesus, I mean, that whole party was just a fucking waste of time. Dingus, what, what are you trying to tell me that Bobby Moynihan is no Chris Farley? That's oh, Tom, too soon, <laughs> way too soon. Well, that's what they're going for. I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the guy's talented and he's funny. I mean, he's funny. It's uh, just not a funny I, I, joke. I, I, I don't think the joke either. is funny. Yeah, I don't think he's funny either. I don't. Uh... Let, let's talk about Bobby Moynihan, the guy who. Uh, the guy who does the caulk gun, you know, the cheese gun that you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, he's supposed to not be funny, so he's playing towards. He's playing. He's playing too hard. I mean, that's the the thing they say earlier on. Why would we invite him? He always tries too hard. And he does that on Saturday Night Live as well. I, oh, I does feel, he? I feel that's his shtick. Like, oh. just, yeah. Well, he commits. Saturday Night Live wants to I mean, scream if you're the fat guy. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about the, what we did like. So, Dingus, you were into the chemistry between the two of them. Uh, I was into the chemistry between the two of them, and I was into a bunch of the lines in that opening sequence because uh, I thought that they sold it. I really loved that whole, I don't know, the first third of the movie. I loved it. Uh, I really liked uh, Greta Lee, the the actress playing that. My, one of my, I had two parts that I actually laughed at that I enjoyed. One of them was the the Hey Wan bit with Greta Lee and Amy Poehler. Um, Trying to say her name. I, I loved that little bit. Is that was that weird? Like, did that work for you? No, it's good. Yeah. Well, I lo- I loved it because for once they turned it around. I mean, they do the they do the Asian joke and then they turn it around to Mora, Mora, Mora. I mean, they turn it around, and I think that's funny. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a little sheepish about admitting this, but I I about split my side when Donnie Wahlberg fell on the ballerina thing. That that really worked for me. Lord, you're kidding me. No, absolutely. So, Dingus, you know me. I love like YouTube videos of people who fall, for instance. I love that sort of thing. <laughs> so when they're doing the gag, and we had just talked about that bit from Body of Evidence with Willem Dafoe and, and Madonna and the candle. So when they break that out and they turn it into her dropping a Garfield candle and lighting his crotch on fire, and then he stands up and slips on the hair gel that they sprayed for no discernible reason earlier in the movie and then lands on the ballerina doll. Yep, Dingus, I was I was guffawing. I you gotta be kidding. Oh, nope. I loved that bit. I that bit totally worked for me. Okay, well well the one listener who wrote in this week, Chris Markinson, loved that as well. And I cannot ah, be can't be more nuts about the two of you liking this because this is just Get it? this is just a theft of a Seinfeld joke. Good lord. What? When in Seinfeld does someone fall and a ballerina, a ballerina goes up their butt? Jerry Stiller falls on a on a on a, a pasta statue and it goes right up his butt. The whole yeah, but the whole point of the episode is what about know, One in a million chance, Doc. One in a million chance. I can't believe you actually thought that was funny. And Dingus, did he get a lit Garfield candle dropped on his crotch and did he slip on hair gel? No. Oh, good point. The, those yeah, elements are not going, part of the joke. This is a beautiful melody. Like, yeah, exactly. Did the did the ballerina turn around and play music in his butt? No. I think if the if the scene would have actually turned around to where he started to enjoy it, maybe. 
By the way, you can't honestly believe that Seinfeld <laughs> has, has a lock on the humor of someone falling on something. Go- yeah, exactly. On something going up someone's butt. That's on somebody accidentally domain. falling on a statue that winds up in their butt. Gee. I'm sure there's probably something like hmm. that in, in there's probably something like that thing is in Twelfth Night. I mean that's got to go way way back. That's that's walking in communion. The aliens do it. I think that's, <laughs> that's actually Aristophanes. It's a staple of yeah exactly in the birds. It's a staple of comedy. Although I think it's a case by case thing. Like I think it's funny in Police Academy when the villain of the piece gets like thrown headfirst into a horse's butt. Well, but then in, I didn't like it in Hancock where you don't get to see it on screen. Or, like, he just puts the thing up the prisoner's butt. Did, did you like the bit with Donnie Wahlberg and the Garfield candle? Like, did that work? Yeah, because his timing was really funny, and they're trying not to laugh at that long extended take of it where the yeah. music's playing, and the music's super slow. It's funny timing. Like, I don't... It's Like I said, it's case by case, and they, they really sold it, I think. All right, well, the thing is, what's a dumb joke that works for you? If I'm going to confess about the ballerina in the butt thing working for me, you've got to come clean. Well, you it's a joke me, I get. <laughs> you tell me one of your secrets, Dingus. And it's a big already said, okay, uh, the dumb joke I really love at the beginning of the movie is is when they make these little inside jokes that appeal to me that are basically based on the age of things that uh, basically based on my age. And one of my favorite jokes from the beginning of the movie is when the, when she walks up to her sister and says, paging Mr. Herman, Mr. Pee Wee Herman. I didn't get that one. What's that from? That's from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And that's, you know, and why, why is that a joke from Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Someone pages him and that's a quote worthy line. Yes, it's, it's a, it's a line. Come on. Don't you? I remember the line from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but I don't know why she said it. Yeah. I don't know why she said it right then to him, but maybe I I thought maybe it was on me. I was missing it. Kelly, this is Dingus' example of the ballerina up the butt. You and I liked that. He's mystified why we liked it. He liked that. We're mystified why he liked it. I like Uh, the execution. Because that's something that I've often seen, you know, paging, paging Mr. Herman, Mr. Pee Wee Herman. You've never... thing is, I have known you, you for <laughs> probably 15 years, I, over 15 years. I've never heard you say that to me. I've right. never heard you say it. It's also, it's also totally stupid as an in-joke because... Do you remember Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's the movie version of the movie, right? And at the end, and then right. he's all hop, right? He's the bellhop, or he's the concierge, or whoever. Paging yeah, but Mr. Herman, Mr. Pee Wee Herman. Just, and do you know? And you know who plays Pee Wee Herman in the movie? Oh, now in the I get movie? it. Now, wait, yeah, now I get it. It's Brolin. It's James Brolin. James Brolin is playing that character with, and it's a st- it's a stupid joke for this movie because James Brolin is in this movie. Yeah, that See, makes me like it. Good. No, it makes me like it less. Anytime what? you're going to do some self-referential thing, no, I don't like well, it. Well, you can like it less. It I doesn't matter. I, you asked me to confess to a dumb joke that I love from this movie, and it's... Well, now, I'm just saying, yeah, now that you explained it to me, I don't... I don't. If you have to if you have to read... If you have to make a joke about who you're casting, your material's weak, I would say. And, and I'm not... I mean, that's fine. I, if maybe I'd understood it, I might have enjoyed it. But I always feel like if you're having to... If you're having to lampshade something about, hey, look, we got James Brolin. That's not lampshading. It is like it's calling attention to the fact that they've that they've put James Brolin in their movie. I would say that's lampshading. It was too subtle for me to get, so it's okay though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just above my pay grade. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I, I would say it's below. Yeah. 
Uh, I like Maya Rudolph because every time I see her, yeah. I remember how hot she was in Idiocracy. Boy, you know, I I loved her in this because I I kind of as it's the a movie weird character, dragged on, it? as the party dragged on, I kind of wanted to just have a movie about her because she became more and more sympathetic as the movie went on. I um, I was worried they were going to just like make a joke about her being like abused and and foiled and frustrated and they do. But they make up. They, you know, they they make they play nice. They make friends and play nice at the end. But well, she it's does clear that that's going to happen as soon as she says she's a realtor. That's going to happen at the end. She seems to know the movie's dumb. She seems to be like, because you know what? Yeah, because Kelly, she did like her in the scene with where they run into in the in the the supermarket or whatever. Yeah, I liked that scene mainly because of her, because of what she was doing. And you know what? Come to think of it, I liked what uh, what Tina Fey was doing in that scene yeah. with the, with the bit about. You know, uh, where Amy Poehler's trying to make an excuse about why they didn't email, and, and Tina Fey's being totally straightforward. We didn't want you to come, and and she's sort of navigating between the two of them. I like that. She's a, I'd come to think of it. She's a really weird person. Like she, Game of Thrones is her courtly that night. That's odd. Yeah, just, yeah. That's, <laughs> and she calls it GOT night. Right. right Watching right. season one for some reason. Drinking non-alcoholic <laughs> wine. Drinking non-alcoholic beverages was just fucking weird. And then she she hates she she she's too cool for the party. But then she's like dancing. Anger, like angrily outside the house. Uh, see, Dingus Kelly's making me like the movie more. Kelly White. Why Rudolph's great? She's not in the movie much. Yeah, it's just yeah. little cutaways of her, but she's always doing something really weird. I don't know. Uh, what yes. do we know? The the Mark Wahlberg or the Donnie Wahlberg looking fellow from something? I meant to look him up. Do we know him? <laughs> He's not really no. Okay. He's just a normal person. His name's Ike Bernholtz. He's been in a you know some TV stuff and whatnot. So he's not a Saturday Night Live alum, I guess. That's not where he's from. Uh, no, he's been in other TV shows. I don't know. He's been in things I've never seen, like uh, I don't know what's that baseball movie. Uh, what's the baseball television show? Oh please! No, like, I'm going to know <laughs> baseball. Uh, not baseball. The it's the fantasy football league. Oh, the league. The league, thank you. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. he's in the league. He was in that the Mindy Project, I think, uh, and uh, and a few other things. Okay. But uh, but I don't I don't know him from anything. He just looked like Mark Wahlberg, and he seemed to be that character from Bridesmaids, who's played by the Irish dude. How do you call Chris O'Dowd the Irish dude? He's Chris O'Dowd, dingus. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to play good writing, bad writing? Yeah. Especially with this movie, because I consider it it's black and white. So given that you guys know I didn't like it, that might color some of these. <laughs> so, Comedy's easy for me. All right, here we go. Get 100%. Good writing or bad writing? Dingus, you're first on this. Okay. This is an exchange. Quotes are usually short. So are dicks, but sometimes you hit the jackpot. Dingus, <laughs> is that good writing or bad writing? That's great writing. Nah, it's too obvious for me. I, I didn't like it. I'm going to put it down for – Dingus, I have to – Give you negative one, or no? I have to give you, yeah, negative one. I forget how scoring works. It w- it works in inches in this particular game, <laughs> depending <laughs> on where you start from. Yeah, the base. All right, Kelly Wand. Here's one. I don't like it because jackpot's not really a dick term. Like they, they could have the who has the big dick. Jackpot. The the uh, Michael Fassbender, right? Oh, so it's like a slot machine arm size deck? I don't know. Is that the joke? Okay, sorry. What were you saying? Uh, Kelly Wand, here's one for you. Got to focus. A little less Forever 21 and a little more Suddenly 42. Mm, 
Math's a crutch. So bad. Wow, you're wrong. So you guys are tied because I liked that line, and that line actually should have been could have been like the crux of the movie this idea of these people who are 42 trying to relive being 21 right wait here's the joke that i thought was better than that it's when the cops hey no no who's doing who's doing good writing bad writing kelly Wan? i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry so then let me jump ahead and give dingus this one see this might be what you're talking about dingus good writing or bad writing she went to the sophomore formal with my cousin who has spina bifida Yeah, Come that's, on, that's Dingus got the first one. That is good writing because I like that was an unseen joke. You didn't see it coming. It tied in with Amy Poehler's character. Uh, it was funny because it frustrated what Tina Fey was trying to do. I liked that actor's delivery, and he looked good for that. Um, His yeah, delivery's so, yeah. good. Yeah, so good writing. Dingus, Dingus, you have a point. Dingus is pulling ahead of you, Kelly Wand. You're pulling ahead to zero. All right. We, yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, good writing or bad writing? Drink up and run with scissors tonight because mama gotcha. <laughs> uh, good writing. No. God, that's... No. So painfully bad. Really? Uh, I like that life, that hairpin turn at the end. Like, it's actually God. totally not anything anyone would say. So, think it's as a Tina... Mama gotcha. As a Tina Fey fan, I mean, was that excruciating to you or... Come on. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a Tina Fey fan. How many more of these do you have? Because I, I have response for that. Uh, for you have response for what? For that for that particular quote. For a better. Quote. No, 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 let's go into that. Yeah, because I've got a couple more. But yeah, let, what's your response to that particular quote? Because I think that the the exchange where you know the young you is still inside of you, and then Amy Poehler says like shingles, y'all. That was hilarious. Yeah, I wasn't into that one. You know, there were a bunch of early bits. Where I thought they were going to try to like do a lot of scatological material, that kind of yeah, was a wayside. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of recalled some of that. Shingles aren't scatological, of course, but that kind of oh, it's a virus and stays that. inside you like youth. Yeah, it's gross. Um, it's gross, but wait, it's, but it's a funny joke. Mm. You know what, Dingus? I'm, I'm going to dock half of the point I gave you. Go ahead. Now I'm down <laughs> negative half. No, Kelly, one, you're at zero. Dingus is at one half. All right, Dingus, let me give you this line. Wait. Oh, is it your turn? Or yeah. Oh, Kelly, one, let me give you this line. Oh, it's my turn. Jesus. Oh, it is? It's his yeah. turn, yeah. I thought, okay. All right, Dingus. I got Flintstone gummies if you want. Nah. Yeah, uh, I liked it because it was at the end of his long string about all the yeah. he has. And yeah, I liked it as a cap to his little monologue about hard drugs. I was so bored by the end of that, I couldn't. Yeah, what? I, I, I didn't get. I I know you uh, have, a, have a. You didn't like the Zeus man crush for. Yeah, I know you said that for him, but by the end of that, I mean it just went on so fucking long. No, that's what's funny about it. Yeah, yeah, and then it, they just want to buy dirt weed, and then he's held on thirty hours with every single thing that's in his fucking briefcase. What's the joke about his name being Pazuzu, like the demon uh, exorcist? Uh, yeah, I mean, why is that? Why is that the joke? Tom, come on. That that's a great joke. Well, no, no, is it are they just randomly naming a character after the demon from the Exorcist? Not randomly, he's a drug dealer. So that so the drug dealer oh, is the, evil, I see. Yeah, he's got a demon's name from the stupidest Exorcist movie. So it would have worked. Oh, he's not called Pazuzu in the first Exorcist? No, it's Heretic. It's Exorcist. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Doesn't so now much like the uh Brolin joke. Uh, which I guess you didn't still like, but like, 
Doesn't that make it the best joke in the movie? Um, that's again, I heard it. I instantly thought of James Earl Jones spitting out that, like, uh, white. Well, to be perfectly honest, Kelly Wan, I recognize it from The Exorcist, but I was assuming that that was what it was called all along. Are you sure there's no reference to Pazuzu in the first Exorcist? I'm certain. Because the first time I heard Pazuzu, it's like when the locust's point of view in Exorcist 2. Oh, God. Like, wow. Wow. Pazuzu's the name i got to take seriously as the one from the first movie. Well, you know the name he's given in the first movie. Uh, he is Legion. No, no, he's Captain Howdy, if you remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's, that's what Blair calls. Oh, right, right, that's not the official Roman Catholic designation. That's better than Pazuzu. Yeah. Um, I was so turned off at this point in the movie, and at the introduction of drugs, I mean, maybe this is just coloring my uh, appreciation of the awesomeness of John Senna, um, but I, the, the drug <laughs> thing just, I, I couldn't, I don't know, it just totally turned me off. I, I didn't find it funny at all. I didn't find it interesting at all. He's reading all these incredible drugs that will kill all of them if they use them. I, and I just don't find any of that funny, and I don't find any of it useful in this unbelievably uh, just tedious party scene. So when we get to the Flintstones joke, I'm just not there anymore. All right, fair enough. Uh, and let me give you this one, Dingus. Or no, Kelly, this is no, not Kelly. for you. Yeah, Kelly. You can't start with Moni Moni. It's like starting with anal. <laughs> Love it. I agree. That is awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is a great awesome. one. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have one more. Is that right? Two more. Thing is, here's one for you. This reminds me of that movie we watched on our anniversary. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Yeah. I think it's I like forget. one of the last notes in the one of the last lines of the movie. Yeah, it's when they're mud wrestling and the lesbian couple is watching them. Yeah. Oh no, that's all right. Well, yeah, it's Dingus's pick though. Dingus, you did like that one then. No, because I was tuned out by then. Yeah, because I, I didn't. I didn't think the whole like butch lesbian stuff was funny. Like, hey, let's get our yeah, crappy yeah. out and yeah. yeah. Any more than I thought the anal, the the couple having anal and the. Yeah, oh my god, like, that was weird. Samantha B. Well, wasn't that Samantha B? Yeah, that was yeah, weird. Samantha B. Yeah. That was really weird and out of place. I'm like, okay. Well, we don't know those. Well, it's a thousand and one comebacks in this movie, and that's one of the comebacks. Yeah. Or call that. That was one of the jokes oh, I did. Callbacks. 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 But, uh, wait, Tom, I did like when yeah. the cop who said, fine off the, no, the first cop, when he right. signed the flashlight in their faces, and he's like, you pressed for 25, and then right. he the flashlight, goes, 35. That was <laughs> yeah. kind of right. cute. I just want to add that's good, right? Alright, Kelly Wan, so for all the marbles, the score is now tied. Kelly Wan, if you get this one right, you win. If you get it wrong, you lose. Good writing or bad writing? This is an exchange. Thanks for clarifying that first part. I was really like, yeah. what? <laughs> All loans are supposed to be paid back. Not in my experience. <laughs> good writing or bad writing? Bad writing. Nope. Good writing no, because good it's, writing. Very, yeah, it's a great contrast in their characters. It's a kind of a funny observation. It's how, you know, it, it says, it, it tells you a little bit about each character. Uh, I, I quite like that. Should we have a book? And there's a payback later when, or there's a payoff later when, you know, when the parents say, we're going to yeah. give you this. And she goes, wait, is this a... Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So good writing. So Dingus, you won the Sisters Good Writing, Bad Writing Contest. Kelly Wan, better luck next time. Sorry. Fuck. Yep. All right. So, uh, Tom, let me ask you one of these. Quick, sure, really sure, quickly, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Is this good writing or bad writing? Uh, put another Jenga on it. Um, yeah, you know, I did catch that. And I... Yeah, no, kind of, right. I kind of liked it. Yeah. yeah Were you okay with it? Oh, I love that whole exchange. That's still when I was liking the movie, and when they stopped to do their forced flirtation with that dude, 
And she says, oh, no, no, you're right, because of then. You know what? I kind of like that whole bit, actually. So when she tells her sister, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. Put another Jenga on it. Yeah, and all of Amy Poehler's, like, fumbling butt references. You know, I did kind of like that bit. Mm -hmm. Damn, you're making me like the movie more, Dingus. There's some funny lines. In the first part, yeah. It's just a really boring premise. Well, let's do over-unders then. So to compare it to other movies that you've seen that are maybe similar, what's one that's better or one that's worse? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I liked – so underneath this – uh, and Dingus, I heard you watching Pitch Perfect earlier tonight. We love Pitch Perfect. It's the same director, oddly enough. Um, Pitch Perfect 2 is under this, and I I didn't like this movie. Uh, And Pitch Perfect 2 is under it. Because it is such a horrible step down from the original movie. This movie didn't have that baggage with it. I kind of equally disliked both of them, but this movie didn't disappoint me by being a follow-up to something that I really liked. Uh, What's this a step down from? Uh, So, this is a step down I slightly liked more. And I think Dickens will understand this as someone – because I didn't really appreciate the chemistry between uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey the way Dingus did. I kind of liked the chemistry, even though the movie I thought was pretty bad. I liked the chemistry between Melissa McCarthy and Susan Sarandon and Tammy. Yes. So my over – and again, you're right, Kelly Wan. I I don't care for any of these movies, but my over would be Tammy, and then my under would be Pitch Perfect 2 for these. And that's bracketing it. I'm trying to – to get close to how I feel about all three of the movies. Um, so, Dingus, what did you do with your over and under, and what do you got for us? All right, for my under, I would – actually, I'm going to go with the over first. The over, I would put uh, Step Brothers, uh, basically oh. going with weird siblings yeah. in, a, in a movie with uh, two older actors as their parents in could, what could be slightly embarrassing roles, but I think they make the best of them. Yeah. I think it's Richard Jenkins and Mary Steenburgen. You bet, yeah. Um, uh, and I like a lot of what they're doing, but ultimately I think it doesn't work. It kind of falls apart in a lot of ways, but the chemistry is good for a lot of it. Um, but uh, So I would put that slightly above uh, Sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and below that I would put the movie Due Date, um, which I really didn't like, uh, but there's some of the chemistry between Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr. Though. Oh, my God. I was thinking Melissa McCarthy and Jason Bateman. What's that one? That's, uh, uh, identity. identity. Oh right, right, right. Identity thief, right? Yeah, and due date is yeah. Right. It's with a guitar, and I we thought it was funny, and Dingus was appalled. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. Kelly, one, what are your over and unders for uh, sisters? And did you, did you bracket it this time, or you just picked yeah. like better and like? Oh, you actually bracketed it. Interesting. No, I put a lot of thought into this this time. Can't I'm wait to hear to it. New leaf because it's a new year. <laughs> All right. It is. What do you and, got? Uh, I bracketed it a midlife crisis movies where redemption doesn't ruin shit. But so don't my, you, oh, didn't you hate the redemption in this though? Yeah. Oh. So. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna put it like that, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so that's why I bracketed it. Well, All right. So these are where rede- redemption doesn't ruin shit, unlike sisters. Okay. <laughs> so my under is Lincoln. And my over. Wait a minute, wait. wait. The Daniel Day Lewis Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, I felt redemption didn't ruin shit. So how does it relate to sisters? <laughs> well, it's a midlife crisis, Lincoln sisters. Lincoln yeah. is a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, the United States is midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Struggling with uh, that. Ouch. We better. Let me check my watch. And he's from Illinois. 
Okay. From what state is that? You know, I always wonder about that. Did did Kelly do it wrong? It sounds like the state is sick when he says it. It's Illinois. Illinois. Oh, I thought we were making Illinois. He says the S, Illinois. Illinois? I said that the second time for fun, but... Uh, I was calling into question whether or not you're supposed to say the S, but what did he do wrong? What is it? He put, the emphasis, he put the emphasis on ill. He said Illinois. 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 Like, it, it, okay. Illinois. It's oh, Illinois. Thing is, you say it. Illinois. 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 Right. Not Illinois. No, would, like it's a sixteen. You know, thing is, uh, we have different mouths. <laughs> huh. I wonder if Thingus is right on that. Because I've never been there. I've never been to Illinois or Chicago. Uh, it's, yeah, it's I never... have. It's a lovely place. Everyone has but me, I assume. Yeah. Chris Bueller. Anyway. Uh, so your under is his link. So do you understand what I was thinking now? My bracket was midlife crisis. <laughs> or JFK, Dingus. It could be JFK. I don't know why you guys are making fun of what I thought was a serious list. Maybe W. W could be his Oh, good point. Right, right. Or it could be that music, that musical Hamilton. Hmm. Okay, so maybe I did the, do the Lincoln part right, but the midlife crisis movies where redemption isn't ruined shit. My over was uh, Cocoon the Return. <laughs> and um, Wait, hold on. What is that even? That's There's a sequel to Cocoon? Yeah, they come back, and then they leave again. Oh my god, wow. They play basketball. Like yeah. you do. So That's I have it. never seen Cocoon or Splash, and in a lot what? of they they kind of, I conflate them. Like, Neither of the water movies? Right. I see neither of the redemptive water movies. Like the power of, redemptive power of things. Except part of the sea. Except what? Part of the sea I have seen, yeah. Yeah, of his redemptive water. So there's a sequel. So isn't Cocoon about like alien things in a swimming pool, right? Yeah, they revive old men. But one of them's not into it. Yeah, they get boners in a swimming pool. Yeah. Oh. And, And then what happens in the sequel? They come back and say, hey. But the, but the, the, rede- the redemption at the end of Cocoon, the return, doesn't ruin it. Well, I'd do Sarah Palin if she was wearing Tina Fey clothes. One, two, three, not only you uh, and me. Uh, three, uh, I'm I'm calling between uh, counting. One, two, three, uh, feet uh, apart, uh, not free, getting down, yeah. free to feed, everybody loves open. Hamburger. I, I like how when Kelly Wand is pressed for details, he just retreats oh. into an odd comment. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get out of this somehow. I'm going into the trash compactor. Why are you so picky about Sarah Palin? Just because I know you like her sexually. I do. I do. I do. And yeah. I like Tina Fey. Like, I was watching Sisters and. She's very attractive, yeah. And she, uh, they, they did a lot of, uh, like, you know, putting her in hot yeah. sexy outfits. You know what I also like, really? And this is a chemistry thing. Yeah, she got to play a slut. Slutty character. Which I didn't really buy. But I did like God. when uh, when when they're getting dressed up, and there's that cute little moment where she's trying to unzip the top and then the bottom of what Amy Poehler's wearing. That was just a cute little, like, non-faked physical gesture that I liked. I, I, I liked when they did their little belly bump. Yeah, yeah, see? Uh, Kelly Wandy's making me like the movie. I know. I'm not saying she's a convincing uh, slatter. You just I'm like saying, yeah. 
slash cosplaying. Slattern. So I like. Yeah, I'm glad. Slattern. I did not think I would hear the word slattern on this podcast, Kelly Wan. Thank you. The slut sounds sexist. So right. Slattern makes it sound sort of courtly. Right. Because people who would object to slut probably don't know what it means, so you're safe. Strumpet sounds downright English. Uh, yeah, you're a courtesan at that point, almost. Kelly Wan, let's do a three by three. Oh, I love your 3x3. Three three. This one's so good. This one went over well with the, with the listeners. So these are your three favorite uh, reloading of a weapon instances, mm. scenes. Love it. Uh, I took off the table the Revenant because there's a uh, – oh, what? <laughs> nice try, Dingus. Uh, so, uh, Dingus, you're introducing next week's 3x3, three three, so why don't you start us off with your third favorite reloading scene? All right. My third favorite is um, uh, the quote from it would be, not without incident. Yeah, but what's the quote? I think <laughs> I don't. I don't know this one. I might, I don't think I've seen it. You have seen it. I know you have. It's a Kurt Wimmer movie called Equilibrium. Oh, God damn it! That's my third favorite. Dang it. Okay, but which reload? Because there's two. All right. Well, my favorite reload is the well. Well, there's two in the in the last in the last Gankata corridor scene. Or right. is one of yours from there? Both. I I I sort of. Cheated and chose both of them. All right. Well, that's, that's the same thing. I, I love the I love those weighted um, gun clips that he slides down the hall, uh, and I love the spring loaded clips that are in his in his wrists as well. But I I think my favorite thing, if I were going to choose one of those two, would be those weighted gun clips that he slides down the hall, and they're weighted so that they can then rotate up and sit standing up. So after he's gone through the hall and gone all through all those things, he does a flip. He slams his guns down on those clips, and he and he can go back right back into the gunkata going down that corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, so of all the there's there's a bunch of different like gun you know slamming down guns on clips things that I saw this week, um, but this particular one I I just can't get over it, how good equilibrium is and how good it shouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know it shouldn't be as I, I, or maybe I just shouldn't like it as much as I do. But but watching all of those gun caught clips over again, uh, man, I freaking love that movie and that puppy stuff drives me nuts. Um, but that that final stuff through the corridor, and, and when he says not without incidents, right after he's had that like void comp test or whatever you would call it with that dude, and then he marches into the the office of the guy and goes down the corridor. Yeah, I don't remember any of the dialogue from Equilibrium. I just remember like the gunkata and the two little reload things. Uh, don't you remember him talking to that puppy and going, "I don't know what to do with you." Oh no, I the, the puppy, the uh, the Beethoven, the uh, Emily Watson. No, who's the woman in it? Oh, geez, I can't remember that. Emily Watson, yeah. Right. What do you mean you can't remember that? This it's Emily great... Blunt. No, it's definitely not Emily Blunt. Um, I, I confuse Emily Watson and Emily Mortimer. I'm pretty sure it's Emily Watson. Um, but, yeah, so my two are uh, – he flips the, the – you know, he's holding the pistols, and so he doesn't have to do anything. He just holds them down at a right angle by tilting his wrist, and then they the clip – they're not clips, they're magazines – like slip out oh, of his s- sleeve into the into the gun. Yeah. And then later – the funny thing is, Ding, is when – he throws out those weighted magazines that have the bulb on the bottom. I don't think you know what they are, right? Like he's just throwing something no, out. They the look troops, like they might be grenades of some kind. Right, right. And the guys look down at him like that he's going to fight, and they're like, what? Like they don't seem to know what it is either. And then we have the fight and the fight and the battle, and he reloads and the fight and the shooting. And then later on, that's the payoff is when he slaps the guns down onto the, the magazines. Right. Yeah. Why, what's the difference between a magazine and a clip? 
You know what? This is so stupid. This is something that like gun nuts will lord over you. Like, like well, I, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'm fine to, to parse. No, 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 it, no. I, no, I know. I know. There's, there's theoretically, like, when people talk about a clip, everybody knows what they mean. But people who are really into guns, who I'm convinced most people who are really into guns do it out of a deep-seated insecurity. Uh, people who are super into guns <laughs> will tell you, no. A magazine is the metal thing that you put into a weapon to reload it. A clip is uh, basically a bunch of joined rounds that feed into a magazine. What? Um, like I, I don't know that many guns use. Like you know, you know what? An, there's an M1 Garand's famous World War II weapon, and you would put a clip of I think it was like four or five rounds that are joined together at the end. They're not inside of a magazine. So a clip is just rounds that are connected. So that they can feed into something. Like, you know, a belt, an ammo belt that feeds into a Gatling gun? Oh. I- imagine just a section of that belt. That would be a clip. Um, oh, a bandolier. Well, I think we can accept that m- in movie parlance, we would understand clip and magazine to be No, no, not even in movie parlance. Just in real world people talking. It's just, right. stupid, it's just okay. stupid gun nuts who are like, no, a magazine. But, but technically speaking... The magazine is the thing that the bullets go into, and that then goes into the weapon. Um, I just call it a. So bag. when I'm slamming the, that that thing into my nine millimeter, I'm slamming a magazine, and I'm not slamming a clip in. You can say clip. I'm just saying stupid gun nuts will say no, it's a magazine. But yeah, if you wanted to be like technically accurate and technically it's a magazine, but everybody says clip. Everybody knows what you're talking about when they say clip. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I thought I remembered. Okay, never mind. Go, moving on. Well, you stole my number three. So Kelly, Wan, what's your number three? Because we're going to be skipping mine because Dingus stole it. <laughs> okay. I apologize. No, yours is. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, you know, here's another thing, and this might give it away. All three of mine are people slamming guns down onto the magazine. So, no, it's sometimes a gun what? is just Dingus. I know, right? I'm sorry. I meant to say. Is that your Yoda impression? Because I don't know what you were doing. Uh, all right, Kelly Wan, what's your third favorite reloading scene? <laughs> Yoda doesn't say that. <laughs> you, Talk to ooh, 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 You've never seen Splinter in my life. That was uh, either Yoda or Benedict Cumberbatch from Black Mass. I couldn't tell what you guys were doing there. Unless it's Brolin. <laughs> Dingus gets his <laughs> Splinter the Mind's eyes. Totally confused. Um, my number three favorite reloads from the guest in the um, Ooh. when he's what? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I, I, whatever it is, I like it. I don't yeah, remember the specific reload, but yeah, tell us about it. What is it? It's when he's buying the guns from. Oh him. my god! Go ahead. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I like oh yeah, that. great. He's all. I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna take how much? Uh, nothing. I'm gonna take these. I'm gonna kill you. And they they laugh, and then he kills one of them, and then the other guy starts running, and then he gets like a dud. Whatever that's called in gun parlance. Because clip, it jams, right? Yeah, it's jam, it jams. It's magazine jams. And then um, he's a size with mild annoyance and, like, methodically, but, like, without any impatience, like, reloads a single bullet and then, like, lowers it. And then there's, and it's all in one shot. And then there's, like, a long shot of him, like, slowly, steadily taking off that guy's head. As he runs away, it's like super far away. Yeah, that is a good one. Slow, yeah, yeah that's great. And then just his technique. I mean, that's the part where you where he's like taking apart the gun and cleaning it, and they're just kind of like watching him in disbelief. Like, um, I don't know, it's just really good acting. I think. Right, right. One of good. my favorite right. moments in the movie. 
So. Uh, well, Dingus stole my number three, so that goes to your number two, Dingus. What's your second favorite loading scene in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Baby, things happen. I can't take them back. I was worried you were going to steal another one of mine, so I don't know that one. Now, this is from That's no Country Dirty from, Dancing. No Country from Old Men. Wow, Kelly just dropped a shell casing. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly fumbled his reload. Nice move. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> so, No Country was the first one I thought of. Um, in a, oh, God, a, yeah, we, Dingus dead, Gummit. You know, I'm changing my number one, and Dingus has now stolen my number one. There's so many good ones. It's so cinematic. That is a great one. All right, tell us about it, Dingus. Well, I had to I had to, to, to uh, reduce two of the same kind of theme, but I'll save one of these for a, a, uh, um, a runner-up if nobody, if none of our listeners pick it. So this is this is his uh, River Dog Reload. Yeah, that's I, I like calling it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I, I kind of had to constantly think about what's reloading mean. What's reloading mean? I mean, he hasn't uh, he hasn't emptied the clip or the magazine or whatever, but he's 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 taken the clip out and the magazine. He's taken it out. He's taken he's popped the um, the bullet out of the chamber and he's and he has to dry the gun out because he's swum down a river uh, trying to escape this pit bull from the drug dealers who are chasing him, uh, and he has to dry off the gun before he can shoot it. But he does take all the bullets out, puts them back in. You know, re- I don't know that he has even time to recock the gun. A lot of these that I saw, I mean, there's not conventional recocking going on, at least not as you think it. I mean, reloading can be a, a fairly complicated process um, if you've ever you know, shot a gun. Uh, but just watching him go through that thing where he gets on the riverbank, he takes the the magazine out. He he pops the bullet that's in the cha- that's already chambered out of the chamber. He blows on it to to try to drop dry it off. Puts it back in and then shoots the dog as it jumps at him. Um, that's that was almost my favorite reload, but it turned into my second favorite. Reload. You know what he could have done in that scene, Dingus, is he could have just taken the gun and put it in a bowl of rice. And that just as well, because that works, I hear. Uh, now, I'm remembering that scene, Dingus. Is it all one take where we see – like, did they cut around an actual – because I seem to recall in my in my memory the scene – we see the dog swimming at him, and we see him frantically, like, trying to get the gun off, and it's all one take where the dog's coming at him, and then it's almost as the dog leaps as he finally gets it in and shoots the dog. Oh, yeah, is yeah. It, it's all one take, right? It feels like that. I mean, the, what I was focused on is the swimming, because I was thinking of the swimming in the in the Revenant as he as he drifts down the river, and as the body later in the movie drifts down the river, because he's he's swimming down the river, and that dog is right behind him. Right, right. And when he gets out of the river, and when he cl- and this is one of those movies again, and I watched it again, and I, I fucking hate this about great movies, is that I'm just I just want to watch a scene, guys. Can't you just let me watch one scene? And I can't watch one scene because then Tommy Lee Jones comes on, and I want to watch everything he has to say and uh, um, I mean the movie is just so fucking good that you want to watch the whole damn thing every single time you watch it but do they so anyway, is, it, is it a CG dog or something like because I see in my imagination you see the dog get shot and fall back right you see the dog jump and you see he doesn't fall back uh, because the dogs the dog how the dog screams as he shoots him and they fall down together much like sort of the bear scene. What, the dog actually gets on him? Wow, it's that yeah. close. They, they wow. fall down together, yeah. and the dog is beside him um, and and dead. And I kept wondering, how in the world did they do that? Because the dog comes out of the water, 
charges at him and jumps at him just as he gets the gun reloaded right. and shoots the dog in midair heading toward him. The dog right. does not fall back. It's still – the momentum of the dog still carries him onto um, onto Llewellyn's chest and, chest, and they roll onto the ground together, and the dog is dead. And then he gets up, and you know you understand that he's had to do this. Llewellyn has had to do this basically with one arm because he's been shot in the shoulder by a shotgun. So he's had to sort of figure out how to do all of this almost using one arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he gets up and he stumbles away because they've drifted down the river away from the drug dealers. But that dog is lying there next to him. I mean, the two of them are lying there together. I mean, that's, what, that's what's kind of wonderful about it. It's not like this Walter Hill shot where like a, a gunshot makes you fly back 20 feet. The, the dog's momentum still carries him forward. Right. Well, if it had been a bigger gun, maybe. Like if it had been a shotgun. Shotguns make you fly back like 50 feet, Dingus. I don't know if you know that. But, Tom, do you know where he got that gun? To get in place. Very good. Uh, Kelly Wand, what's your second favorite gun reload or weapon reload, by the way? If you're if someone wants to use an like oh, a yeah. weapon, yeah. Yeah, like a Legolas thing or something, they can do that. Kelly Wand, what's your second favorite weapon reload? You think someone's going to do that? I almost did. I'm going to be I'm going to admit it. I almost did. That guy. Dingus is into Orlando Bloom movies. I'll, I'll explain it later why, but I almost did. <laughs> I like it too, although it's a ripoff, by the but, way. It's it's stolen from a, a movie called Hawk the Slayer. But I did, whether or not it's stolen, I just couldn't choose whether is that loading or reloading because, I mean, is that reloading or is that just loading? Yeah, because he fires an arrow. Now it's empty. Now he reloads it. I guess. Yeah, but I but but the the a bow isn't. Empty necessarily, but sure it I mean, is. There an arrow in it? Empty. So, you, so when you put when you put the first arrow in, is that reloading it every time? Just to be fair, just so you know, Dingus, I don't think anybody who does that would have been pulled over. I can't say for sure, but the law would have let them go drive along. Well, I, I love that sequence. Yeah. It's you know yeah. the one at the end of Fellowship, and I would have picked it. But when I watched it today, I just thought, is that really reloading or is it just loading? I really, I honestly parsed that in my head. Just so you know, Dingus, there's a lot more of that kind of cool stuff in the third Hobbit movie. Because I know you, you gave up on him uh, for the third dude, one, right? What? What? I was, I was forced to watch part of that. See, aren't I right? It's not as bad as as the no, other two. It's the same shit. No, it's not because like, it's just three hours of awesome CG battle stuff with dwarfs and orcs and. Uh, what else is fighting? Yeah. There's birds. See? There's uh, not even five armies. There's birds. There's Urukai. But yeah. is it loading or reloading? I mean, what is that? Uh, I would say if there was ever an arrow in it previously, it's reloading. If you first make the bow, it has never been used. The first arrow you shoot out of it is loading. Any arrow you shoot thereafter at any time in the bow's life is reloading. So it's constant reloading. That's episode seven. So isn't yeah. that true of every gun? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. great. So any any gun that has been shot subsequent to its first shot is reloaded. Dingus, if you have an issue with this, take it to the Supreme Court of the 3x3. All right, fair enough. You can get a judicial decision after a lengthy uh, process. If, if it's out of the, Once it comes out of the factory, it's all reloaded. Tell me, Juan, what is your second favorite loading or re- reloading of a weapon? My number two is Bone Tomahawk because yeah. – of course. Where, when? Oh, please. Come on, Dingus. Dingus. How Sorry. dare you? Yeah, come on. This is awesome. Hey, wait, How's seriously, Dingus? Because I would have assumed we all would have thought of that one. It's one of the co- iconic moments of the movie. Oh, okay. Are you really not remembering? I mean, you might not. I mean, there's so many cool things to remember in that. You don't remember, uh, like, Patrick Wilson. It's one of my favorite action sequences. Yeah, well, you explain it, Kelly. Why don't you pick? Yeah. 
Patrick Wilson's – it's a reload off is why I picked it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Wilson's asleep with a hat over his head. His foot's uh, amputational. It's been set. So oh, yeah, okay. But the uh, troglodyte comes up on him and misses with his arrow. And then he misses with his gun or it jams, Tom. No, he empties it. Yeah. He empties it. And then he's reloading while the troglodyte is coming towards him with the tomahawk. So it's sort of like the dog thing. But the it's exactly that, like the dog thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. The reason that he's coming at the tomahawk is because the guy's bow string snapped as he was about to shoot. Very slowly pulling his bow back for the fatal shot, and then the string snaps. And unlike, jo- well, a bit like Josh Brolin, I mean, it's it's one of those, uh, you know, it's a it's an old cylind- a cylindrical revolver thing where you right. put in one round at a time, and he's trying yeah. to load it like that. Yeah, and you got to keep your shit together, and and then. Like, I don't know. It's just great time. Well, imagine too. Like we all know from action movies, how cool and easy it is to drop a, clip, a, a magazine out of a gun and then slap in a new one. You can do that in the heat of combat, no problem. But man, having to put a little bullet into a little hole like that—who can do yeah. that in combat? Yeah, that's insane. Oh my and god! It's you one just of those... made me think of something else. Well, put it in the runners up, dingus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Done. I just like where it's like two very competent professionals at what they're doing, like <laughs> in a very critical life or death moment. So it's like watching good sports event. And the action that movie is so awesome because it's never slow mo or anything. Yeah. It's just like it feels like it's just organically happening right in front of you. Well, you're making me feel bad about my number two because my number two is all about like slow mo and tricks and little gimmicks. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's a all good right. Topic. Well, here's my number two then, and it's just because I so love these scenes, and man, I wish they were in a better movie, and I, I, I wish she never grew up, but I love the hit girl bits and kick ass, and there's a great one at the end where she's breaking into Mark Strong's office, and she's having to run down a hallway full of armed goons, and she's got her two pistols, um, and she runs down the hallway, and she's shooting, and she's shooting, and the moment that that song, oh, dead gummit, it's like some little feisty Ramon song or something. I forget what it is. But the moment some Matthew Vaughn plays some cool poppy song, uh, her, her her guns are empty, so she just drops the magazines out, and without letting go of the pistols, she pops two magazines up out of her belt so they're in the air, and then while they're in the air, she slams the pistols down on the magazines and reloads them. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. It would never work, but no, it's good. It, it looks awesome, and it's totally like this great hit girl maneuver. Uh, I, I just love the outrageousness of actually all of our action scenes in in general, but just this one goofy reload where she flips well, we in the air. Seen that before. Exactly right. Well, uh, yeah. Have we? Um, I guess not. Like, in the air would make no sense because you really need tension. Like, you really need to push a magazine up in a, in a gun. It's not just going to slide in there. So, yeah, I guess we haven't. Yeah. But I thought, um, wasn't there some sort of uh, publicity around that, that that was an actual practical stunt? With the magazines? Oh, I Yeah, that she actually did it? I mean, that would be awesome if so, but I can't. It, it uh, totally looks right, like maybe I'm thinking something else. Did. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she, I, either she or some, I, I don't, some stunt woman. I thought was, it was something like she practiced it and she got it, but I, I, I don't know. Never if mind. so, maybe that's awesome. Maybe it's like the uh, you explained to me about the big old trailer truck flipping over in Dark Knight. Oh, I mean, it's okay. one of those kind of things where Matthew Vaughn was like, "We're going to do this practically until you get it right, Chloe. We're going to do this scene over and over again." Or the Alien Resurrection basket. 
Sigourney. But I, totally, I totally forgot this actual moment. It's a great moment. Yeah, I love that. I could just, I, I love those scenes too. And it's so annoying when, oh god, when Aaron Taylor Johnson comes onto the into that movie. Oh my god, he <laughs> did get it throughout it. Anytime he's in, and even Nicolas Cage is hilarious. Nicolas Cage's goofy Batman voice, I'd forgotten how hilarious that is. <laughs> well, it's me just too. Uh, yeah, so just the scenes of him and, and Chloe Grace Moritz, Chloe, whatever her name is. I, I could just watch those all day. And But nope, stupid Aaron. It's the exact opposite of what you're talking about, Dingus, where you watch a, a movie and it's so good you want to keep watching it. You watch the fight scenes in Kick-Ass and they're awesome. Oh, but then Aaron Taylor Johnson comes on screen in his stupid green costume and you're done. It's super easy to watch little bits and pieces of Kick-Ass. So. All right. I, don't know, I like where he gets stabbed. I was like, what? You don't expect that, right? And yeah. I, yeah. And you're like, good, kill that guy. Let's just watch more with Chloe Moritz Grace. Yeah. <laughs> Dingus, what's your favorite reloading in a in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Spit and rub, buddy. Spit and rub. Oh, you didn't steal my number one. Uh spit is it uh is is it Hurt Locker? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh I found this one late. Um I was just looking through my movies. And I thought, okay, there's got to be something from here. And I decided to look at the Ray Fine stuff because I thought this is the one time there's a gunfight where they could actually have a gunfight instead of having a bunch of bomb stuff go off. Um, and good lord, I had no idea the payoff was going to be this good. Damn, that scene is so fucking good. It's a great scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's so important to you know, the the building of the team because right before that they're about to they're thinking about murdering him. And then he, then they move on to this scene where he proves that he's the leader of the team. Um, and just the way that the reload happens and how intricate it is and how long this takes. I mean, it's hours. It is hours upon hours of them sitting there. Um, it's not, not necessarily for the reload, but that whole sequence where they're waiting, you know, and waiting to snipe on this little shack, you know, this stone, you know structure that's out there in the desert i mean it takes forever and this is again this is another one of those movies where it's impossible to watch a couple of scenes without watching more of it and it's just one of those great great surprises when ray fines shows up and then he just turns out to be the guy that they're like look at the guy you know that's where they find the clip on the guy i mean he gets shot and he falls down, and they can't find another clip for the. Is it a fifty caliber? Is that what it, that is? And they and he's like, look at the look for look at on the guy, and so they have to roll him over and find the clip on the guy on Rafe Fines, who's been killed, and then um, is it Eldridge who's? Uh, oh yeah, very good. Yeah, is that Anthony yeah. Mackey? Yeah, and, and then. Oh no! Is that the white guy? You know, I think I forget, that's the I white guy. I, I okay. get confused about their names, yeah. but he has to he has to clean off the blood and he has to do it in this meticulous manner in order to get the stickiness off the off of the bullets. And they have to do that, and then they have to reload the thing, and then they and then he pops one into the chamber in order to shoot, and then he puts the magazine back up into it. Um, I that reload, uh, and this is something I just found really late in the game because I, I honestly thought that no country was going to be my number one uh, and I had no intention I, I had no thought that that Hurt Locker there was a couple others that were going to be uh, on my list I had no idea that Hurt Locker was going to wind up as my number one and then when I was watching it again 
I went, holy cats, this reload is amazing when they have to clean off the blood. It's just beautiful, not only from this this sense of what's going on in the action of the scene, but what is going on with these three characters who are in this team. It is great. Like, I... Catherine Bigelow has just got this great – I mean the fact that she went from Point Break to these really cool meditative war movies like Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty but still retains the the hallmark of a great action director in some of those scenes is is – I love that about Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, and that sniper scene is a great example. It only takes one movie to make a streak or break a streak because like The Thing – that like John Carpenter's movie after that was Starman. So what's wrong with Starman? Well, come on, after the thing, you want to go? Let's. Break it doesn't it up break a streak though. Starman's great for what it is. I mean, it's a different. It's a different kind of movie. What's the matter with you? Uh, uh, Empire about, Jedi. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. That's where he blew his streak. Ghosts of Mars. Why didn't you mention one of those? What's What's your beef with Starman? Uh, the Ward. There you go. Although he hadn't had a streak for a long time when he did Cronenberg, uh, Eastern Promises, Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis, I'll give it. You know, although, you know what? Now that we like Robert Pattinson from The Rover, maybe we should give Cosmopolis another chance. I never gave it a chance. You t- you I know. I waved I, I, I yeah. everybody off of it. It's because I thought Robert Pattinson was, was just so annoying. Um, when it, took, when it all takes place in a limo, it made me not want to see Yeah, and he's, he's get, he gets Julia Binoche. I'm like, why is she sleeping with him? I mean, she's, it makes no sense. I should give it a shot, because Maps to the Stars, they've been linked. Yeah, yeah. Because we know, you know what, Kilian Dingus isn't going to watch Cosmo- Cosmopolis. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. But directors, it seems like once they get past a certain point, they always kind of suck. Like do you really think Catherine Beagle is going to jump the shark at some point and just completely yeah. blow it? Uh, yeah. I, I they all do. Look at no, they, they do when they get like super successful and soft oh, and uh, Scorsese, Spielberg. Shut up! Well, I maybe it's just because I'm used. I'm so used to them having jumped the shark that I just can't imagine it with Catherine Bigelow. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, because she's a woman. <laughs> plenty, of wow. women, plenty of women have jumped the shark. <laughs> you show me a good Penny Marshall movie. Yeah, I was going to say Penny Marshall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who, di- who, well, directed, who directed Ishtar Kelly Wand? Uh, Elaine May. Yep, see? I risk my What's case. that mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. What movie's a streak? Also, uh, Night Shift by Ron Howard. That movie's great. He's not what? a girl. Oh. Yeah, right, right. I'm just saying women can do a crappy job directing movies. That's my point. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and that applies to both genders. But Catherine Bigelow, now judged. I'm pronouncing it like Tom does. Uh, seems to be pretty careful in her uh, choices. Is it supposed to be Bigelow? Well, no, it's Bigelow. Tom says Bigelow. It's Bigelow. Like, what do you, why do you guys... Bigelow. Because the Tom Hanks movie is not called Big. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it B-I... It's not B-I-E-G... How do you spell no, it? It's Bigelow. Bigelow. It's spelled Bigelow, but I just always assumed you said it that way because you, you'd heard her say no, it's Bigelow or something. Just because it was such a weird way to say it. Well, you know what? I'm going to Google this at some point. I'm sticking by Bigelow for now, though. I don't know. That is, It sounds weirder, don't you think? To you? Either? Bigelow sounds weird. Bigelow sounds Bigelow. weird. Yeah, because something that's big is big. Something that's low is small. That makes no sense. Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. American detect or American Bill Gigolo. American Gigolo, yeah. That sounds weird. Less weird to you. Oh, they're supposed to write Bigelow Gigolo. Oh, it's like poetry. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That might make sense. American Gigolo. You might have convinced me, Kelly Wan. But Kelly Wan, let's get back. Look at on- we had, 
Oh, yeah. Let's get back on topic. And you give me your number one favorite Reloaded movie. <laughs> the winning points. Always some obscure fucking, <laughs> like, hacky sack that I wasn't even paying attention to. Sometimes sometimes Rob Schneider really clears things up for us, Kelly Wan. He does. Just like uh, Music Box. Black Ballerina. <laughs> Jesus. My number one is in the... This is kind of a corny choice, but it was sort of the first time I'd seen it done. And I sort of like, oh, so that's... As a writer, I was like, that's what that does. This is uh, at the end of Butch Cassidy, <laughs> which I know has the stupid raindrop scene. But the rest of it's awesome. I'm, I don't remember the yeah. quote. I'm looking forward to hearing I'm about this. I'm really excited about this, Kelly. Yeah. Oh, well, at the end of the movie, they're, you know, they're basically besieged, and they think they're fighting... Uh, Bolivians. No, no, it's who are these guys? Super posse. Who are these guys? Yeah, they think they're just fighting the super posse, but the whole fucking Bolivian army's out there, and they either do or don't know. It's kind of hard to believe that they wouldn't have heard all the shit going on outside there. But they're reloading, and he's like, kid, next time, let's go to... I forget, where's he going to take him? Not Wyoming. Yeah, he wishes he could have seen Wyoming. Right. Who's Montana? Montana. 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 Tried to make a joke at Dingus about uh, about uh, Red Storm Rising and okay. like, Crimson Tide. And Tides also the Dog Day Afternoon. There's a Wyoming joke. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're saying goodbye, basically, as they reload. And, and they like, know it, right? Like, I think they yeah, know, they know it. it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But it's, it's a manly way to go out. And it's like, While I always wonder. your guns, yeah. Right. That's, and that's I was a great thinking, choice. Damn. Like, they're not... Really? They're not half-assing it. They actually are reloading. Like each bullet, they know each bullet's going to be useless, but they're still going to the trouble. Like, yeah, like I don't know. So you know what, Kelly Wan? Speaking of not half-assing it, you turned in a great three by three this week, Kelly. You picked three awesome ones. What the fuck? I was kind of due. I don't know because usually my choices suck, but it was such a good topic. You gave me so much to work with. Well, your over under sucked this week, so you don't have to worry about that. But your three by three is awesome. You didn't even see Yeah, I love this three by three. All right, well, here's my number one. I was sure one of you guys was going to scoop me on this. Uh, I, I just love so many scenes in this movie. Um, so Furiosa has a gun hidden on the side of the war rig, uh, and when she and Max are tussling, um, when he's got the chain around him, she breaks open the place where the hidden gun is on the side of the war rig, but then Nux, who's Nicholas Holt's character who's chained up, he trips her. Because he sees she's going for a gun. Max grabs the gun. Furiosa grabs Max's hand, and they're both struggling with the gun. Uh, and she ejects the magazine mm-hmm. to where it falls on the sand, but it's still got the round in the chamber, and they struggle with it. She gets the gun right up against his head to pull the trigger, but he knocks, uh, he knocks her hand out of the way just in time. The gun bounces off of the, the, the truck. So now the gun is empty. But the magazine is standing up there in the sand. So Nux, even though the women are trying to pull him away, he crawls towards it and he grabs it while Max and Furiosa are still fighting. Uh, and when Max finally gets the upper hand on Furiosa, Nux thrusts it out beside him, palm up with it in his hand, and Max slaps the gun down onto the pistol and then cocks it quickly, fires the three rounds around uh, Furiosa's head. Uh, I just love that interplay of... It's her gun. Uh, Max and Fury and 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 Nux 
uh, are like Nux thinks he's helping Max. Max is against everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Furiosa is just helping the women. The women aren't quite sure what to do. It's just this great – there's the elements with the car door, with the shotgun that he has that's empty, uh, with the chain that's attached to him, like trip mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It's just you know so much of the wizardry in Fury Road is car stuff, but still with this one little – scene of about you know six eight people tussling around in the sand uh it's just this great action set piece allegiances uh, are declared and decided right exactly there. kelly wand exactly it's like it's like in crouching tiger hidden dragon it's like a a fight scene where you learn about the characters yeah <laughs> yes i love that so and it made me wonder too uh so max gets the the the, the magazine and the gun he cocks it he fires three rounds around furiosa's head why doesn't he kill her? Because he needs her to... I mean, there's a lot of inconveniences. No, he doesn't know about the kill switch at this point. He, he, he just gets in the, in the war machine and drives off. He doesn't know anything, though, and he might need a lot of information from her. No, but he, does, he, he leaves. Like, he gets in the war. He won't let them get in. He, he leaves. And she, by the way... Twice, he has the mask on his face still. But he leaves with it on him. He twice... She twice has had a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Once it was empty, the shotgun. The other time he bumped it out of the way, the pistol. Why doesn't he shoot her in the head? Does he ever kill somebody without needing to? Things might have a point. I guess he's not a cold-blooded killer. I mean, life is a resource. So, I I mean, I don't think... None of the movies... And he's not mad at her. He doesn't begrudge her. It's not like she did this to him. And it's not like when she pulled the trigger to his head, it was personal. She you know what? You're right. He's not. Yeah, like he's not. He, he doesn't seem to care about revenge or anything, does right. he? He's not. That's what separates him from the other character. Yeah, but oh, it's not just that. It's that can this person be useful to me later? It's it's, right. it's resources. Right. Well, that I don't buy because he's going to get in the truck and leave. He's right. him yeah. to get picked up by a Morton Joe. He just wants to get out of there. All but right. I think you're dead on, Dingus, in that he he doesn't just kill people. I think you're right. Oh, jerk. You answered that for me. Uh, All right, let's see what the listeners have on. Why did you call me a jerk, Kelly Wand? Nothing. You called me a jerk, I think. Oh, oh. (laughs) All right, uh, we have several from the listeners. This one seemed to go over very well. Uh, Punet Singh writes Hi, guys, love the show. Here's the favorite weapon reloads. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to go in reverse order so that if you sent it in earliest, yours gets read first. Uh, Punis- oh, that's how I always do it. Yeah, Punitz was the most recent, so sorry I'm going back. Uh, Jaime Cabrera writes, uh, he, well, once again, he tried to stick to reloading and not just loading. Um, Enemy at the Gates, the first scene when Jude Law kills the German officer and his entourage is great. His skill is punctuated by how incredibly nonchalant he is reloading between shots. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I think he was cleaning the gun from the expression on his face. He loves that moment. Jaime writes, Matrix Revolutions. What? Uh, the third Matrix is the <laughs> re- reload winning. Well, he writes, as crappy as this movie was, he has a soft spot for the scene where all the mechs were defending Zion. Captain Mifune uh, calls for a reload and more ammo gets run out to him. There's a runner <laughs> with the ammo and two others defending him with hand cannons. When the rounds are finally loaded up, they get jammed and the runner has to climb up and kick it, the ammo into place. It all ends up for not as Mufuni is killed in the next attack. But just the mechanics that go into reloading these giant machines was great to see. I love that there's a Captain Mufune. 
Yeah. And Bernie remembered his name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we don't really know him till then, really, do we? Uh, here we go. Jaime's number one pick, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, he writes, no, not Infinite Arrows Legolas, but, <laughs> but the uruk leader that kills Boromir at the end. Oh. Oh. He is shown very slowly and deliberately pulling each oh, arrow back and firing it. Yeah. It's chilling how much pleasure he obviously takes from the process. That's so, that's he hates Boromir. He uh, hates men. That's so uh, Jaime has some runners up. Terminator 2. Ah. Oh. John reloading for Sarah as the Terminator is driving backwards down a parking structure. Oh, you know, I was trying to think of a of a of a movie where some where a character was saying clip or something like that. Is that what she is she is she calling to John like reload or something? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Jaime says, love how even though they haven't seen each other in years, they fall into practice sync. And I always remember John slapping a mag into Sarah's hand as she's saying, last one. Ah, very good. I like how he's opening the fences with a shotgun, Arnie. Uh, oh, with that weird, that weird off. shotgun thing. That's, that's not reloading, though. It's just chambering around and around. Chambering around. So Jaime also has a spoiler alert, which I'm not going to read, but I'm just going to say one word. Starkiller. <laughs> you guys remember how that reloads? Yeah. I like that pick. That's uh, pretty things. good, actually. Yeah, I like that pick. Why, Kelly Wanda, you not, why are you going, uh... You can't have CG in a reload. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Kelly Wand, that- uh, Kelly Wand, I need your, I want your badge and your gun. You're off the force. It's science. <laughs> Difference is science. Uh, and then Jaime writes, I don't know if you tried these as a three by three before, but how about instances where there was no reloading, uh, where a character? Oh, so I he's he's, he's just suggesting a, a variation on this. Uh, right, that's yeah, that's awesome. our next topic. Yeah. Uh, Paul Weimer writes. Locking and loading, my favorite reload picks. In Shoot 'em Up, I already like, I don't know which one he's going to bring up, but I already like this one. In Shoot 'em Up, Clive Owen's Mr. Smith manages to reload a shotgun with one handed pumping action while carefully holding a baby in the other arm. Uh. I could have filled the 3x3 with other reloads from this movie, but this is my favorite because it shows character. He cares for his charge enough to not risk setting her down. It's One of my reloads is from that too. One of my runner runners up, I should say. Uh, well, since Paul mentioned it, we can talk. About, what, what's the other one in that thing? Is uh, I don't want to mess up anybody else's. Okay. Go up. Just make a note to mention it. Yeah. Uh, Paul writes in Zombieland, Woody Harrelson's Tallahassee sets up his reloads on the oh yeah on yeah. the counter of the booth he's using for his stand against the zombies in the amusement park. Every time he empties his pistols. He slams the pistol down on the reload, and he's good to go for shooting more zombies. I love that. And when you said that, Tom, that's what I thought. You, when you said all of yours involved slamming that down, I thought for sure you were going to use Zombieland. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't think of that one. That's because good. he actually clears off like the uh, the like the candies, and he puts the clips inside like the candy holders, <laughs> so that they all stand up in line. You know, he's in that little stand, and right, right, yeah. then he can jam the guns down on there. Uh, and then Paul's number one pick is the the equilibrium bit we talked about, where the magazines have the weight and they're standing up. Oh, okay. Dave Perkins, for my number three pick, I have to lay a little groundwork. He makes the following assumptions: one, the Earth has more than one circumference. <laughs> Very good. Dave Perkins, by the way, knows his math, so yeah, he does. He's a math. He's a mather. Uh, and his other assumption: 
and I think I'm on board with this one, is that Michelle Yeoh is a weapon. <laughs> I'll say. So if you grant me these hypotheses, then my number three, he says, is the fight scene in Crouching Tiger where Michelle Yeoh reloads herself with weapons from their places on the wall. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. sorry. A dude. weapon of ass distraction. <laughs> Kelly Wine. Wait, what? I mean, uh, How dare you. Yeah. Uh, acting is important. Uh, Dave, yeah, sorry, Dave. We're going to issue a citation. Let's see how your other two go, and I might bump the citation down to a warning. Dave's number two pick, the the twirly stunt gun reload move in the car factory in Minority Report. Wow. (laughs) I know what he's talking about. I have no idea. Sadly. Can you can you describe it, Kelly Wan? Because I don't. Tom Cruise when he has that air gun. Because it's a PG-13 movie, so right. <laughs> in the future, to accommodate the PG-13-ness of the society, they make this gun that shoots uh, whoop sounds. Oh, yeah, it's and, like a stun, it's like a non-lethal stun gun thing? Yeah, and so Tom Cruise has to like reload it while he's getting assaulted simultaneously from multiple sides. Why does Dave Perkins refer to it as a twirly reload move? Because uh, that's how you reload it. <laughs> <laughs> twirling? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Twirl the gun. Really uh, Dave, oh, okay, Dave, you know what? You you can go free, and not only that, um, we're going to give you an escort, a police escort to wherever you're going, because Dave Perkins' number one pick, I love this, because I was trying to think of something like this, uh, Michelle Williams reloading the rifle <gasps> so agonizingly slowly in Meek's cutoff yeah. when she mm-hmm. saw the American Indian and the men were away from camp. Uh that's that a great is one. beautiful. Dave, even, he's kind of rubbing it in, but you know what, I'll let it go. He's even saying, I bet you guys already picked that one. But no, David, you, Dave, you scooped us. Very nice. Yeah, well done, Dave. Damn. That's a second topic. That is awesome. <laughs> Daniel Ebert uh, says, um, uh, oh, he explains to us uh, Donald Gleason's, the pronunciation of Donald Gleason's name, which, thing uh, I forgot who sent that to us, but we were sent a or you either found it or someone sent us a great video of Donald Gleason with his cool long hair and his facial hair explaining to an interviewer how to pronounce his name. Right. It was sent to us from a listener named Justin D. Hurd. Ah, Justin D. Hurd. We know him. Well, Daniel Ebert right. so is, is explaining to us. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's pronounced Donal like tonal, I guess. Right. And that's that's what, what Donald Gleason says in the thing. Is it rhymes with tonal, yeah. Uh, Daniel writes... Um, if I hear someone say dumb Noel Gleason one more time, I might ram my car off an overpass. Uh, <laughs> all right, Daniel's number three pick, Mad Max the Road Warrior. Max reloads his sawed-off shotgun multiple times while driving the tanker. In the final attempt, the shells are knocked from his hand onto the truck hood. Hmm. Uh, number two, Terminator 2, the T-1000 chases John Connor, only to have the Terminator shield him with his body. As the T-1000 reloads... The Terminator turns around and empties his shotgun into him, knocking him to the ground. The Terminator begins reloading as he walks up to the T-1000 who reforms and then throws the Terminator through a glass storefront. Terminator gets back up again to chase the T-1000. So basically just a bunch of uh, reloading during that fight scene. <laughs> and then he calls out the iconic uh, flipping, uh, flip-cocking the shotgun. That's what uh, Daniel Ebert calls it in that movie. <laughs> Oh, the thing? Flip-cocking, Kelly Wand. It's called flip-cocking. Yeah, right. Yeah, that costs uh, extra here in Hamburg. <laughs> but they had two different shotguns for that. They had two different, like, 
They, they had one that, that Schwarzenegger could actually use, which had a bigger cock thing, cock mechanism and a smaller <laughs> yes, one. I beg your pardon. I know. You know. Sorry. But that is a super cool maneuver when he would flip that thing over. But it was it was a fake thing that he had to use. Otherwise, it would have broken his fingers. Is it is it fake too? Because you also see uh, like where somebody on a pump action shotgun, you know, you've got the pump action grip, where somebody just holds the grip and shakes the whole shotgun. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like, see you. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor does that at the end of Judgment Day. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like I think everybody, if anybody who's cool using a pump action shotgun does that move. I don't know if that's plausible though. Like, can you really do that with a shotgun? You have to be really strong to be able yeah. to do that. Well, Sarah Connor was pretty buff. Yeah, I true. take pills. <laughs> Daniel Ebert's number one pick, uh, Born Identity. Hmm, I don't know. Just Born. I know he takes apart guns. Let's find out what Daniel says. Jason Bourne, armed only with a break-open double-barrel shotgun. Oh, outwits and ambushes the much better-armed Professor, played by Clive Owen, in a field. His first shot wings the Professor, and he has to perform a reload while keeping his eyes on his target and walking to close the distance, which is much harder than it looks. Oh, that's nice. It's a great sequence, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I was thinking, too, Bourne never uses a gun, but he totally uses a gun in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Cathcart says, I tried to stick with realistic examples of weapon reloading. Well, all right. All right, let's see what he's got. Oh, yeah, here we go. Such as... Mike's so no blasters, three. I guess. Uh, well, let's find out. Mike's number three pick, Hit Girl, throwing two clips and slamming her guns into them midair and kick ass. Mm. All right, very good. Mike's number two pick for a realistic example of weapon reloading. The bullet <laughs> farmer pulls a bullet that doubles as a tooth from his gums to reload one angry shot for Furiosa. I, and this is in Fury Road. I like that he doesn't need two separate places to store his bullets and his teeth. <laughs> and like, I think seven of Mike's top ten movies were Mac, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, no, Dingus. There's more like eight, please. All right. You're, you're I agree right. with uh, And then Mike Cathcart's number one pick of a realistic example of weapon reloading. I already like where this is going. Dwayne Johnson has enough practical shotgun Jesus reloading Christ. techniques in the rundown to be its own 3x3, <laughs> three three, including a double Terminator 2 shotgun-style flip. I'll go with the rock holding the barrel of a shotgun between his bicep and forearm to reload using one of the rock's guns to reload another. Get it? Oh, oh, clever girl. The cock. Arthur Giovanginelli writes, uh, he's got the Tallahassee scene from uh, Zombieland. Very nice. His number two pick. Oh, here we go. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Blondie is cleaning his pistol when he hears approaching spurs. He quickly reassembles the gun and loads the six-shooter bullet by bullet. Blondie is able to load enough bullets to shoot all the henchmen, but not enough to prevent the sneaky Tuco from getting the drop on him. Uh, and then finally, Arthur's number one pick is Dingus's Llewellyn Moss in a river escaping a dog. Very good. Uh, he writes Llewellyn's quick movements are also clean and competent, part of what make him such a great character. Scott Andrews writes, uh, weapon reloads two or more people. Four people. I like what I'm hearing. I'm not sure what he's doing. Oh, my God. Okay, oh, I guess he's characterizing it by the number of people it takes. Oh, all of his loads involve four or more people. I see. So this one with four people 
is Kid reloads Mufuni's exoskeleton during the attack on Zion in Matrix Revolution. <laughs> oh my god. Everybody, people have said Mufuni. And not talking that, about Seven Samurai. And, and Scott knows the other characters. They, the reloader is Kid, apparently. I don't know if that's a name or if you just yeah. meant to write a kid. Um, here's one with three people. After being attacked in the desert, James talks Elridge through finding and cleaning ammo for the sniper rifle in Hurt Locker. Right. Sanborn, that's Anthony Mackey's character. Sanborn. Right. Yeah. And Elridge is... Yeah. Uh, and, and I only know that because uh, Scott writes it in parentheses here. Uh, Sanborn waits. I like how a calm James, that's Renner, uh, manages a panicked Eldridge. Very good. So and then... What's wonderful about that scene is the juice... The whole juice thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. He gives him the remember juice. remember that? Yeah, because he oh, can't. He asks yeah, yeah. for juice, yeah. and Eldridge hands it up to him, and you think, all right, well, they're both like so. And he, and as the spotter, he, he unwraps the straw, puts it in, and then ha- and puts it over to Sanborn's mouth. He's not, he's not getting it for himself. He's getting it for his sniper. Yeah, that's what you, that's what you got to do when you're a spotter tooting. And then Eldridge is down there sucking on his own juice and not even caring. He's just, he's so nervous. And then he ends up shooting the goat farmer. But whatever, it's just that this is the this is the moment where James really becomes the leader. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wan, this one's for you. From Scott Andrews, this reloading involves 56 people. Uh, <laughs> Human centipede. Oh. No, 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 Kelly Wan, no. You're barking <laughs> up the wrong tree. <laughs> this is, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Just- <laughs> this is a 56-person reload uh, from Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. Arr. Gun crews practice in Master and Commander. 14 cannons, and I think four crew per cannon. That's 56. I love the organized chaos as the cannons are loaded with gunpowder and then shot and then run out, which means moved flush against the side of the boat. Uh, yes, and Flemished is where you tie the ropes so they look so shiny. I think you're inventing that, Kelly Wand. You can't prove it. Tom, I wrote a pirate script one time where there was like a pirate like a uh, frigate that was going to fire on the good ship. Right. It was like a light of cannons. And so this dude was having a reload off with the Indian character. <laughs> okay. Who was the hero. And right. the pirate hunter was the bad guy. So the Indian hunt guy, like, uh, it was like a powder keg next to him that was on fire. So he loaded it. He loaded his fire arrow. And then he, like, shot it across the cannons and then kills the guy. And then it lights all the cannons and they blow up the frigate. I would like to, yeah. I would like to change my number one to that. What's the title of that movie, Kelly Wand? It was called Black Cutlass. Black. Because it was uh, stuck in a woman's head. Cutlass. I like that. I like that, Kelly Wand. Let's greenlight that and fast track it. Nick Smith writes, "Hard boiled. Reload via jacket sleeves." Uh, he says he tried to find the scene, but he didn't really have time to watch all Hong Kong era John Woo movies. Uh, the cool reload move is Chow Yun-Fat dumping empty magazines on the ground, then flipping his pistols upside down, sliding two new magazines out from the sleeve of his jacket straight into the pistols. Uh, Nick points out that it was repeated to a certain extent in equilibrium. Man, I tried – I watched a bunch of scenes from Hard Boiled this week. That whole tea house sequence, I thought for sure. But he never fucking reloads those guns. Yeah, yeah John Wu is not – he can't be yeah. honest to bother with reloading. I thought for sure so. Because I used to like have this weird fantasy about like flipping your guns in the air, reloading them, and then having them cock both of them under your arms yeah. when you're using guns akimbo. And I thought for sure that tea house sequence would, would, would yield that. But I could not find a thing from Hard Boiled. 
It's too womanly for those characters. Maybe you need to watch more Jean Wu dingus. Watch all of them. All right. I like how Uh, you say his name is Jean Wu. I didn't... Come on. I might be messing up Bigelow, but I'm pretty sure I know how to say John. It's Brokeen Arrow. I know what it's called. Nick Smith's number two pick, From Dusk Till Dawn. As the characters are besieged by vampires in the bar, Harvey Keitel sticks his shotgun through a vampire's belly and fires at the mob. He then uses the vampire to pump shells in the chamber by doing a quick push and pull while keeping the shotgun in its guts. I might be misremembering which character does the maneuver, because I didn't have time to look it up, but it's a cool maneuver. There's where Clooney's reloading while Salma Hayek's uh, stepping on his chest, and then he shoots the chandelier and stuff. First of all, I am going to, uh, Nick, I'm issuing you a citation. Uh, chambering around in an automatic shotgun is not reloading. Mm, yeah, that's Sorry, Nick. Yeah. Mine works because it's a pistol. Let's see how he does with his number one. A fistful of dollars. The reload duel has been done well in a few movies, but this must be one of the first. Uh, Ramon fires shot after shot at Clint Eastwood's Joe, but Joe gets up every time and casually saunters closer while taunting Ramon and saying he has to aim for the heart. After getting up the final time, Joe reveals the metal plate he has hidden under his poncho and fires five times shooting the rifle out of Ramon's hand and gunning down his henchman. The final shot from the revolver, he spins on freeing the guy hanging from a rope. And then, just to make things interesting, he tosses the pistol on the ground. While watching each other, they leisurely walk towards their guns. Then both men drop to their knees at the same time, quickly reload a single shot in their respective weapons. But, of course, Joe is faster. And Ramon is offered a final twitchy glare before Joe ends him. (laughs) I like the throw on the ground. That's Chris, what Tom does to me in video games. Chris Markinson, uh in John Wick. I'm glad to hear John Wick in here. Although that was another yeah. one where I, I don't think he reloaded very often. Uh, Keanu Reeves is chasing the oh, really? rest of who stole his car and killed his dog. He finds him in a nightclub, mows down a couple of dozen guards. At one point, he's in one of the rooms of the club and he shoots one of the guards in the shoulder and then hits the guard in the sternum with his gun and then goes for the kill shot. But he's out of bullets, so he has to reload. And then he puts a bullet in the guard's head. Right. There are several scenes of Keanu reloading his gun in the movie, but I really like this one as it delayed the kill shot for a couple of seconds. That's a good one. I like that. I think, and I think they are pretty good about his reloading. It's not a John Woo thing. It is. I mean, he's, oh, it's just he's functional. Like he just functionally reloads. It's not right. He, I mean, he's got clips all over him, and he's yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of the Agent Forty Seven movie. Like, well, uh, do that. Uh, Chris is number two. In the international version of The Professional, there's a training scene where Leon Matilda they enter into the apartment of a drug dealer, and they have him stand against the wall. Matilda then opens the black lunchbox she bought and pulls out a gun and loads it and then screws on a silencer. Her gun is only loaded with paint pellets, but it's a powerful image of her slapping the cartridge into the gun. And then Chris is... Well, that's loading. I'm okay with it. If If there was ever... Paint pellets loaded in this gun previously. It is reloading. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris's number one pick in the Terminator. Arnold walks into the gun store. Oh yeah, it's a great one. This is like your guest one, Kelly Wand. Mm-hmm. In the Terminator, Arnold walks into a gun store and asks to see the 12 gauge auto loader, 45 long slide with laser sighting, phased plasma rifle in a 40 watt range, and an Uzi 9 millimeter. While the proprietor of the store who's the great, uh, I think his name is Frank Miller, by the way. Uh, while the proprietor of the store gets the paperwork for the guns, Arnold loads, his, loads the 12-gauge and then shoots him. What does he do? It? He loads it? 
Uh, so he doesn't reload it. Come on. These aren't reloads. I'm okay with it. Dingus, I don't know what your problem is. I'm sure that they've tested it at some point in the factory to make sure that, that the shells fit. All right. I, I love Chris, but these are not reloads. This is loading. This nope. is loading the gun. Uh, nope, Dingus, you're not. You don't have it. I'm taking away your gun and badge too, Dingus. I'm putting it in a drawer you with Kelly's gun, and I'm putting. I'm locking it, and I'm throwing the key out the window. Good. I'm going to Oregon, and I'm going to take over a federal building. I wish Wait, the, the plasma's rephased, though. Hey, sure. just what you see, pal. Yeah. That's Frank Miller's line. Uh, Nick D writes. Glory. Matthew Broderick teaches one of the soldiers to reload his musket while shouting at him to go faster and firing a pistol next to his head. <laughs> that takes me back. I wonder if it, yeah, that's that's not exactly the technique he used as a teacher in election. Nick uh, number two. Jeffrey Jones used it on him. Oh, jeez, really? Uh, he picks no no country from old men. The uh, the the pit bull scene. And then Nick D's number one, Terminator 2, uh, Arnold reloading the shotgun one-handed while chasing John Connor on a motorcycle. Oh, Wait, is he talking about the, the flip-cock move? I think it's a flip-cock yeah. move. Yeah, not reloading. That's not reloading. That's just chambering around. But I love the glory pick. I was actually trying – well, we'll get to that in the runners-up. Uh, it's manually chambering as a reload. No, because when you reload a gun, you don't put a round in the chamber. You put it in a magazine, and then the magazine feeds the round into the chamber, Kelly Wand. Doy. So in Russian roulette... Actually, you know what? That's not entirely true. Because like in a brake shotgun, you actually are putting the shotgun, this shell right there. Like That doesn't have a magazine. Well, what were you saying with Russian roulette? Uh, it's the first turn phase is a reload. Are there reloads? So, in, uh, in so on the rules on the box lid of Rish, <laughs> there's a number one, and it says reload. And then there's an illustration. Uh, Justin writes that in researching this topic, he found more gun cocking scenes than reloading scenes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he picks Blue Steel. Here's another Catherine Bigelow movie. Hmm. In the final shootout between Jamie Lee Curtis and Ron Silver, once Jamie Lee Curtis is shot... She tucks a forty-five Magnum into her waistband to reload it one-handed while Ron Silver's character slowly approaches. Surely he is one. Oh. Tom, it's pronounced blue still. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just trying to trick me. I'm not going to fall. Jamila Curtis. Oh, he's trying to trick you. <laughs> uh, Justin DeHerd also calls out John Wick. There are a few cool reload scenes. Weak. Uh... <laughs> And he mentions the same one uh, where he has to uh, hold the enemy against a column, eject the cartridge by jerking his arm to the side, and reloading before doing the signature headshot. Right. And, all that, all right. uh, and then finally, Justin D. Heard, uh it is the – yeah, the sleeve clips from Equilibrium. Uh, finally, we started, and then I, I backed off in, in reading your last – sorry, uh, Puneet – just watched Mad Max Fury Road again. Oh, whoops. Oh, he sent two of them. Number three, Doom. Did I just go to <laughs> Wow. What just happened? There's no reloading in Doom. Well, he just says, did it just go to first person? Are they really going to do this? As soon as I saw the G36 reloaded in first person, I got really excited, probably far more than I should have. Oh, that's great. I like that. Loading or reloading? Uh, reloading. In Doom, you're constantly firing and reloading. Yeah. Huh. Uh, oh, you'll like this, Kelly Wand. Uh, Puneet Singh writes, number two, The Guest. 
I think I mostly like the scene because of the music as one of the guys runs away and David yeah. goes to shoot him. Uh, isn't one of the guys Ethan Embry? Yes. Yeah, I love that. Is he the first one he shoots or the one who runs away? Yes. Thank you. He's the one who runs away, I think. Okay, okay. And the first one he shoots is the, the friend that he meets at the party. Yeah. Make him your own friend. And uh, Punit, Punit, I'm sorry I'm mispronouncing your name, I'm sure, but uh, I apologize. Uh, writes, Terminator 2, so many awesome weapon reloads throughout the movie, especially the car escape from the mental hospital and the earlier hallway scene. What I like most, however, was the single-shot grenade launcher the T-800 uses at Cyberdyne. Why? Because it goes kump-thump-thunk. <laughs> or something to that effect when reloaded and fired. It's uh, called the noob tube in battle. <laughs> very good, Kelly Wand. Uh, as runners-up, the gun store scene in Terminator 1, he mentions. Uh, or she, by the way. I don't know if uh, Punit is a male or female name. Uh, the Hurt Locker. Uh, he or she writes, I assume it's already come up. Uh, oh, here we go. The Way of the Gun. One-handed reloads of 1911s at the final shootout. After one of the pair gets shot in the arm, the other leaps without looking into a dry fountain littered with broken glass, and they both end up having to use mostly one arm to continue the fight. Uh, and then finally, oh, and by the way, uh, he or she sends along links to YouTube videos, which is which is helpful for us, but not so much the listeners, but we do appreciate those. Uh, and then he or she later sends a follow-up and writes, I just watched Mad Max Fury Road again, and I feel like I need to commit seppuku. Seppuku. I I feel like I need to commit suicide for forgetting the reload scene when Max and Furiosa meet. Very good. Mm. So the runner-up I was thinking of, uh, and I actually went back to watch this because I was sure I remembered it this way. Uh, At the end of Last of the Mohicans, Daniel Day-Lewis is, is, is chasing down the evil Huron Indians led by uh, – uh, Ma- not Mogwai. Is that his name Mogwai? Uh, that's that's the gremlin's name. Magua. It's like M-A-G-U-A. Magua. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not quite Mogwai, but it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he's chasing down the evil Huron Indians who have his brother's bride, uh, the, the young girl that they, they've taken away by this agreement that they broke Hattie with the – is one of them. What, what's one of them? I was trying to remember the girl's name. Is Hetty is the one who's playing in the book, but in the movie it's Madeline Stowe. I remember, yeah, Madeline Stowe, and the, the actress, the young actress is named Jodie May, I think. She's awesome. Yeah. I think I've seen In the book, he's into the, like, unhot one, but the hot one's really into him. He's like, meh. Yeah. Oh, don't have the character. The hot one's into his brother, though. In, uh, right, right. In the movie, yeah. In Uncas. Uh, so at any rate, they're running after these Indians, uh, the, the evil Huron Indians, uh, and at one point, Daniel Day-Lewis fires his musket and then reloads as he's running. Yeah, right. yeah. However, the other musket that he grabs from a fallen That's opponent. the thing. That's the thing. I don't think he reloads. You see him pull out the little uh, flask of, of powder, and he uses his teeth to open it. Um, but he then picks up – because I would lo- I remembered in my memory that he reloads it. And I remember going – I went back to watch it tonight thinking – well, how does he put the wad and then the ball and then jam it in with the stick? Like, does he do all that while he's running? Because that must be awesome. Uh, I watched it. You only see him pull out the little flask cartridge thing and open it with his teeth. Well, I, I, if we're supposed to assume he actually did the rest of the reload while he's running, that is pretty awesome. He does the stick stuff. 
but the, no, not while he's running. You don't see it. If so, Michael Mann put sh- around it. I'm positive because I watched because that's how I remembered it, Kelly Wand. Because um, you know the stick thing is you pull out that long stick right. that, that's all underneath the barrel, and then you jam the wad against the lead ball down into right. the, the base, and then you're actually you're supposed to pour powder in something called a frizzin, which is a little pan where the flintlock ignites it, and then that powder ignites the powder in the barrel. Um, so you don't see him do all of that, but that would be awesome if he did it while he was running. Instead, I remember just his hands are really busy that whole time. There's only there's two shots of his hands being busy, but then I think what you see is he comes upon the Indians that his brother has already killed, and he picks up their muskets. Right, right. But then so, doesn't he still have to do it? Like he's using that for resources? No, no. You see him pick up. You see him shoot muskets that he's picked up. Uh, I don't. I'm just being so fascinated during the. Part. I, I know because that's what I remembered. I was like, yeah, totally. Daniel Day Lewis totally reloads a musket right. while he's chase while he's running. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. I think Desperation. It's implied, but it's not specifically shown as I remember. Then has that fucking badass weapon that he he takes out. Model, it's like that. a it's like a big old scimitar thing or something. Yeah. yeah or something. I love. I'm so oh, like. I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm so gay for that movie. I love that. I movie. too. Yeah. There's like a. I, there was like a TV edited for TV version where there's like a final scene where they stare off into nothing and all say these this really bad dialogue that I guess they cut because now when I saw it, in the theater, it just ends with them staring into space and that's the end of the movie. Like, that might be on a deleted scene on the DVD. I think, because I think I know really bad. About. Yeah, yeah. Just, it'll make you go, I can see where the black hat came yeah. from. <laughs> this, is the, this is the guy who would direct black hat in 20 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. But look, but it's like right before that, he had that bitchin', the action that movie's great. Yeah, oh, it's awesome and just the look of it and Daniel Day-Lewis and Madeline Stowe. My God, she's so like hot in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's got like tracking shots of four. Like, it was the first time we'd seen Revenant style, like an effort even in that direction. Oh, the, well, that amazing, like the battle scene at the fort, yeah. the ambush when the British the army is marching yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So stuff. brutal. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. I'm gay for it too, Tom. Let's right. watch right. I, yeah, exactly. Dingus, you finished the podcast. Kelly Wan and I are going to go watch Last of the Mohicans. Well, Good Dingus job. is gay for it. Dude, Dingus is totally into it as well. Aren't you, Dingus, or are you, you don't poop? No, I'm hetero yeah. for it. Oh, fair enough. And that girl choosing suicide. Over I know that's so, you know what that's like, Kelly Wand. That's like an opera. I love yeah. that bit. Yeah. yeah. And the looks on all their faces, and he looks kind of bummed about it because he was like, "Really, Maga? Well, he seems like he can't. He's like, whatever. Like he he's he's like he's. There's a look on his face at first, like he's surprised. Like, wow, come on. It's it's the it's the it's the stoic Huron version of him thinking yeah. cr- crazy bitch. Yeah, crazy bitch. <laughs> yeah, and then he yeah. just he just moves on. Yeah, but then Chingachgook. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Let's just keep watching it. Well, well, first let's have Dingus. You mentioned another runner-up. You didn't want to mention because you were afraid to to scoop someone. What else do you got? Uh, for, for reloads. Okay, Sorry, so Dingus. um, I was amorphously thinking of Meek's cutoff, but I couldn't quite remember how to put it until Dave put it together for me. Um. Uh, the thing I was thinking from, from Shoot 'em Up, my favorite from Shoot 'em Up is, which is similar to what goes on in No Country, is when he drops the gun into the toilet, and then he has to take the gun apart, take all the bullets out, put it all back together, and then he has to fight the dude in the restroom uh, using the hand dryer right. to dry off the gun. Right. Um, oh, yeah. 
and in contrast, he's put the baby on the floor of the bathroom in order to do all this. I mean, he's, he's he has no other choice. He's right. he's, put, he's he's fished the gun out of this crappy toilet with poop floating in it, taking it apart on the on on the baby thing on the on the baby change. Oh yeah, table. yeah. He takes it all apart. You see, and I love that. Any any time that happens, I love watching people like take guns apart and put them back together. The you see the gun taken parents. apart, all the bullets out on the table. He takes it. He puts it back together. It still doesn't work. Um, but then he burns the guy's hand using the hand dryer, t- so the guy drops his revolver, and then he dries his own gun off while while the guy's trying to stab him with a stiletto or whatever. And then, and then he doesn't shoot the guy, but he shoots a warning shot at him and he backs the guy off. Um, that makes me think of it. It's not a reload uh, in, in uh, the agent 47 movie that we kind of like. There's that great bit where the, the assassins ambush him in the hotel room where he's staying with the girl and she's taking his gun apart yeah. and they come in and, and she's, he's got to reassemble his gun real quick. And after the fight's over, she's like, I'm sorry, when I get nervous, I like to take things apart. <laughs> and he's like, don't ever do that again. Yeah, exactly. It's a very simple. It's not like a, he doesn't make a joke. He's like, never do that again. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's also a great reload later in the movie um, when, and, and by the way, Paul Giamatti is a great villain in this movie. He's really great in Shoot 'Em Up. Yeah. Um, you don't think of him as being this like crazy dude, but he has a, a couple of really great yeah. scenes. He's he's really menacing and weird and funny. Um, as as this talks like, weird. Yeah, he talks weird, and he's this weird overlord. And he like shoots one of his dudes in the butt. Yeah. Um, but and there's this great reload where where they're shooting him in this gun factory where they're shooting at him at this gun factory, and it's just a simple sort of like eject the clip and and our magazine and put another one in and Paul Giamatti just does it with such ease uh, and that was that was another reload in the movie but the main reload is that like dropping it in the toilet reload um, another runner up I was thinking of uh, there's there's two more I've got one one is related to this uh, far side of the world one that we just got um, because I was thinking of cannons or tanks and I was thinking of Fury of Fury not Fury Road but the actual tank movie Fury mm-hmm. Yep. And and thinking of the reloading in that, but I I couldn't get to that movie to see it to see a specific reload that I would have would have chosen. Um, but another the fanciful uh, clip reloads that I did get to see this week, unfortunately, um, is uh, from X Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, what they don't use guns in those movies? Uh, Agent Zero does. Agent Zero is the dude that just uses weapons like crazy, and he's got this great moment where they're first going after the diamond merchant, um, in that going after his compound, where uh, where he reloads his clips magazines uh in the air you know what, dingus don't even don't kowtow to gun nuts just call them clips that's fine <laughs> i'm gonna have a t-shirt that says don't kowtow to gun nuts the only reason i'm pointing that out is because you asked like i call them clip you should just call them clips it's ridiculous but, too but he flips them he he ejects the clips from the guns flips the uh, other two in the air they go into the guns in midair in slow motion and then he goes back to shooting everybody um, but it's really it's it's a beautiful weird thing. But Agent Zero ultimately, it's not one of my favorite X Men. So I didn't. Who's Agent Zero? He's just this Asian dude who can shoot really good and jump really high. Curry Wand, have you heard of Agent Zero? Do you know who that is? No. He sounds like every mutant X Men three. Except I don't oh. Can Wolverine fire a gun with his claws out? 
<laughs> By the way, do you guys know what uh, the director and writer of Shoot 'Em Up has has done since that movie? No. no. Absolutely nothing. That's what happens. See, one movie again. streak. Yeah. It's just annoying. That's I a bet- shame because that movie that's really has some great stuff in it. Yeah, it's got style and yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a one-hit wonder, and that's like he said all he wanted to say on that one. That weird carrot stuff and and how he like slides across the floor of the bathroom during that scene. It's so weird. All he does is so weird. And and um um, oh god, Monica Bellucci's in it. Yeah, she is. she's in it in this weird like lactating whore role. I mean, what a weird thing to do. I mean, it's just so weird and great. Yep. Yep. Um, so my three by three is going to be your favorite moments from Shoot 'Em Up. Okay, I only write this. <laughs> I really did love watching that movie again. I mean, I really, I mean, I fucking love that and that whole dryer scene. It was really hard to choose for me between No Country and that, but I couldn't choose both for drying off gun. Right, right. Kelly, wanted any runners up for you? My only one is Evil Dead Two when Bruce oh. Campbell's like reloading and. He's trying to shoot his hand on the wall. And I just remember thinking during that period, because he's really infuriated by it, because he keeps missing. And then going, oh! And he, like, <laughs> painstakingly... I mean, I'm thinking, he doesn't seem to care how many shells he's got left. And look how he's approaching... Like, this like the stuff can attack his hand and, like, kill his girlfriend and just, like, possess him. But he's still, like, insistent on, like, if I just load this gun and aim at the wall where I think I hear it, all my problems are <laughs> and think, Like, that's the first time that character's reached that level of retardation. Like, it was kind of, a, sort of an I, iconic turning point. <laughs> I, I love your vocal interpretation of Bruce Campbell's frustration. Could we hear that one more time? Oh, <laughs> he's saying stuff like that too. And it's the first time he talks, almost I think, even in the whole series where he's not say, he's not just screaming, but he's just like, he's, but he's so he's not giving up. It's like he's he's impotent but tenacious. Yeah, and it's so tenacious that he ends up doing ten half-hour follow-ups many years later, which I love. Yeah. Did you like him? Am I the only? Uh, ultimately, I came around and liked him. I liked how they ended up. I liked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great ending. Do you know who the blonde chick was, by the way? Uh, yeah, I found out later she's someone. Hugo Weaving's daughter. Right. Yeah. She, I, I, I like her. Cared for lusting for her. Like, wait. Because she kind of looks like her dad. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I started hearing his voice when I was looking at her. It right, it's like, like, what if Hugo Weaving was a, was a hot twenty year old blonde chick? Yeah, that's blonde. <laughs> All right, well, Dingus, it is down to you. Why don't you give us next week's 3x3 three three and let the listeners know how to participate? All right, before I do that, I have to say one more thing from – we had one listener who sent in a review this week. It was Chris Markinson, and his PS was, are we still doing a raffle in January? So I just wanted to <laughs> answer his question because I don't think we're going to do that in January. Oh, we have missed that window, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, well- it would be dumb if we did it now. We could do it, but no one would. Well, well, you know we, what? We can plan find out for later. That. We can announce it. Yeah. We can announce it All right. So here's the deal. We record this, and you'll be listening to this sometime after January 19th. Uh, we post our podcasts uh, every Sunday night. So on uh, Sunday, February 21st, that is uh, about a month from now. That gives us, what is that, four episodes? Yeah, four episodes away. 
Uh, on the 21st, we are going to randomly determine what movie we will see on February 28th. So what that means, uh, if you want to participate, and we'll, we'll announce this every week, uh, and determine what movie we're going to watch, donate $1 to PayPal. You can donate uh, on the front page of Quarter to Three. Uh, you can donate using my email address, which is tomwchick at gmail.com. Uh, make sure when you donate in PayPal, you write the name of the movie you're voting for. For every dollar donated, you basically get one raffle ticket that will be drawn. So if you donate a dollar and you write um, Star Wars, for instance, then you're going to have a uh, – There's and if we pull your number – then we're going to watch and talk about Star Wars on the February the 28th uh, podcast. Um, so that's officially in effect. We'll remind folks uh, in the, the coming weeks. We had a great time doing this was it two years ago, three years ago, uh, and we ended up watching our first Tyler Perry movie. Thanks to yeah. Paul Weimer that got picked. I forgot who foisted See, that on us. The system favors the rich, but the one time it's happened, it was a total wild card. So in theory... Well, I'll tell you how this how this works. It's the same way that that whole Powerball for eight billion dollars or whatever works. When you buy a ticket, you it's have the chocolate factory. You have a fifty percent chance of winning because here's how this works. Hmm, Tom's math. Here we go. Yeah. Consider that when you buy a ticket, there will be one of two outcomes: either your number will be drawn or it will not be drawn. There is a one hundred percent chance that one of those two things happen. And as everyone knows, 100 divided by 2, 50. So for a dollar, you have a 50% chance of determining what movie we watch on the 28th. Two-year-olds don't know that. I know. I'm just That's explaining math. Right, in no, case two-year-olds want to donate. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so, Chris, thank you for the, uh, the, the recommendation, the reminder. Uh, so we have officially launched it in January. Uh, and uh, that'll be on February 28th, so send is your vote. Is that the name of this, or is there like a more ceremonial name, like the quarter to three movie raffle February Palooza? Kelly Wand, you've just given it its official name. Thank you. All right. Well done. All right, so we'll remind folks in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, Dingus, why don't you tell folks, uh, this is great, our sister's podcast. This one's going to be really big. A lot of I know, we're now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even listening right now. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what is the 3x3, three three and how can folks participate? Uh, this is your favorite uh, footwear. <laughs> I mean, whoa, okay. Wow. Uh, Dingus, are you fielding any questions, or are you taking anything off the table? Uh, no and no. All right. How about uh, that? Dingus, what if, there's someone, what if there's someone listening who has a reaction like Kelly Wan? There's like, I'm ready right now. I have a great idea. I want to tell the guys. How can how can they uh, participate, Dingus? All right. They will email us at 3 by 3 at quarter3.com. That's 3x3 at quarter to three spelled out like the word quarter and the word two and the word three which word two you know okay t-o not t-w-o yeah t-o quarter to three dot com three by three quarter to three dot com yeah give us your best footwear we'll we'll read it on the air uh we're also seeing next week the movie brooklyn (laughs) why are you laughing kelly wand (laughs) uh uh Uh, Domin Hall Gleason is in it, and Sayorize uh, Ro- Ronan is it? No, is in it. Yeah, 
Uh, isn't it Ronin, Tom? It's, Ronin. it's, it's Ronin. <laughs> uh, we like both of them, and we like the director. I think his name is John Crowley. He did a movie that Dingus and I really love uh, called Boy A. Um, he did a movie that none of us are super crazy about called – didn't he do Closed Circuit? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, shit. Yeah, That's but why we saw that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And we were all like, yeah, it's going to be as good as Boy A, and didn't I didn't. Pan out. Yeah. Well, Kelly Wan, you still haven't seen Boy A. I know, so I'm 0 for 1 with this yeah, guy. Yeah, please, people, if, you, if, if anything else, please see Boy A. And also see Brooklyn. And if you see Brooklyn and you have some comments you have about it, if you have something that you would like us to talk about it on the air, like, hey, why did Sayers Ronan's character do this? Or why didn't Domin Hall Gleason say that? Feel free to ask us questions. We'd love to talk about them. Um, send those to 3x3 at quarter2x3.com, uh, and we will include your comments on the air. So join us for Brooklyn and a spirited discussion of footwear and movies next week. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick. I have been joined this week by Christian Marlin Twisky. It's Christian Morosky. Exactly the way I said it. And we had Kelly Wand. I also went Mohawk in my movie. Jesus. Girls, they want, wanna have fun. Fun. Girls, they wanna have fun. Just wanna, they just wanna, just wanna, they just wanna. See, if it was Tom Newton singing, you wouldn't like it as much, though. Just wanna have fun. Okay, that's it. Happy? Get in there. I want to. Is that what they say next? I, I hate it when you make me the bummer. <laughs> I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! <laughs> You know, singing German really was um, German. Yeah, it's like singing Hamlet in the original Klingon. Ugh.